have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guest that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 3675. So sit back, relax, and remember Southern Sense is common sense. Put a dash in the middle, 
southern-sense.com. Click on the display in the upper left-hand corner for My Patriot Foods. Be prepared. Do it today. All right, and welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense Live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook. Yes, I'm back up on YouTube. Officially today, I'm out of YouTube YouTube jail, but heading very fast into uh, Facebook Fitmo jail <laughs> very soon. Gitmo, Fitmo, Gitmo. <laughs> anyway, I'm your hostess with the most the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my co-host Curtis C. S. Bennett. Curtis, we have a rocking show today. Oh my goodness, we are we are really really packed. Oh man, uh, we've got Rick Meta. Waiting to hear there. Their um, opinions on Roe versus Wade being overturned. Yeah, you know, yeah, that that's, that's that's a big one today. That's a big one today. We're going to be talking with a lot of people about that. Uh, Rick Meta, former uh, member of the Trump White House, former FDA official. Now he's currently a Georgetown University uh, health law professor. Uh, he's run for the Senate for New Jersey. No, uh, for yeah, for the Senate out of New Jersey twice. Actually, Congress once and twice. The other one said, I forget. We'll, we'll talk to him. Uh, then we have a new author out, Bark Twain. Oh, that's the name of the author. And the name of his book is Go the Bark to Work. Now, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound serious, but it is a very, very funny book, but it gets to the heart of what is going on in today's environment. I will be talking with him. And then we have another congressional candidate for Florida District 6. Uh, Charles E. Davis, and then we're going to have, again, from the Epic Times, our friend Mark Tapscott. It's his bi-weekly visit, and Heritage Foundation is sending us back again Sarah Parshall Perry. She's the Senior Legal Fellow at the Edmund Meese Third Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, and how apropos today with the newest Supreme Court ruling dealing with Dodd, uh, which now has overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, we have so much, so much to talk about and a lot to do, Curtis. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's never a boring day in America these days, not with this administration. Oh, that that is for sure. That is an understatement. But uh, let's get rocking and rolling. Um, those that listen to our show know that we dedicate each and every show to a fallen hero. And sometimes it's more than one. Today, it's going out to five. This dedication is going out to Captain Seth Vernon Vandekamp, Chief Warrant Officer Third, Dallas Garad Garza, Chief Warrant Officer Second, Marwin Sammy uh, Gabar, Staff Sergeant Kyle Robert McKee, and Sergeant Jeremy Khan Sherman, all U.S. Army. They were among seven killed when a Black Hawk helicopter crashed on uh, November 12th of 2020 while on a peacekeeping mission. And this is taken from the Military Times, The Fallen. Let me get up the dedication here and pull this out. This reads... The Army identified five soldiers killed in a helicopter crash while on a peacekeeping mission in the Sinai. Captain Seth Vernon Vandekamp, 31, 
from Katy, Texas. Chief Warrant Officer 3, Dallas Garage Garza 34, from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Chief Warrant Officer 2nd, Marwin Sammy Gabar, 27, from Marlboro, Massachusetts. Staff Sergeant Kyle Robert McKee, 35, from Painesville, Ohio. And Sergeant Jeremy Kahn Sherman, 23, of Watsika, Illinois. They were among seven when the helicopter crashed. A French and Czech service member were also killed in the crash, officials said. The Czech Republic's military confirmed one of the fatalities of the Black Hawk crash was Czech Sergeant Major Michela Tika. French military officials identified Lieutenant Colonel Sebastian Bota as the French casualty. One U.S. service member was also injured in the crash, but has not been identified. A defense official told the Military Times that there is zero indication of malicious activity involved in the crash. An Egyptian official said the UH-60 Blackhawk was on a reconnaissance mission and crashed near the Isle of Tehran, apparently because of a technical failure. Officials said an investigation was underway that gave no further details. Vandekamp was an Army doctor assigned to a medical company under Task Force Sinai. He joined the Army after graduating from A.T. Still University Medical School in 2017. This was his first overseas assignment arriving in Egypt that October. Garza was a UH-60 Black Hawk pilot assigned to Task Force Sinai's aviation company. Originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina, he enlisted in the Army in 2005, commissioned in 2010, and arrived in Egypt that January. Garza's previous overseas assignments included tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. His Iraq campaign medal includes an arrowhead device, meaning he participated in a helicopter assault, parachute jump, or amphibious assault on the combat zone. Gabar was also a UH-60 Black Hawk pilot assigned to Task Force Sinai's Aviation Company. The Arlington, Massachusetts native commissioned as a warrant officer in 2018. This was his first overseas assignment arriving in Egypt also in January. McKee was a UH-60 helicopter repairer assigned to Task Force Sinai's Aviation Company. The Painesville, Ohio native first enlisted in 2003 and arrived in Egypt this past July. His previous overseas tours included time in Korea, Afghanistan, and Iraq. Sherman was a UH-60 crew chief assigned to Task Force Sinai's Aviation Company. Originally from Wataseka, Illinois, he enlisted in 2015 and arrived in Egypt that October. His previous overseas assignments also included tours in Korea and Afghanistan. In a statement, Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller offered condolences. We recognize the sacrifice of millions of American veterans who have defended our nation for generations. And today, we are tragically reminded of the last full measure our uniformed warriors may pay for their service. 
Miller said in a statement released by the Pentagon. I extend the department's condolences to the families, friends, and teammates of these service members, Miller added in the statement. In a statement, MFO officials said they were deeply saddened by the loss of their seven uniformed military colleagues who hailed from three different countries in total. This included one Czech and one French and five U.S. MFO members. And our thoughts and prayers go out to the families of these soldiers at this difficult time, the statement read. We wish the one U.S. MFO member who has survived the crash a speedy recovery. A full investigation of the cause of the crash, which appears to be mechanical in nation, had been launched. We greatly appreciate the cooperation and support of Egypt and Israel, MFO also stated in the release. The incident is a reminder of the sacrifice MFO members make in support. Since 1981, MFO has safeguarded the peace between Egypt and Israel. The administration's recent budget calls for $30 million in funding for MFO, but former Defense Secretary Mark Esper and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, have both informed lawmakers that the U.S. may soon prepare to withdraw its military forces from this mission. Under the guidance of President Jimmy Carter in 1978, Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begum and Egyptian President Anwar Sadat signed the Camp David Accords, which called for the withdrawal of Israeli forces from the Sinai Peninsula and an international peacekeeping mission. After the night, United Nations Security Council failed to oversee the Israeli-Egypt Peace Treaty, the United States became the instrumental in creating and maintaining the MFO. The MFO draws most of its budget in relatively equal proportion for the United States, Israel, and Egypt. Last year, 2019, $31 million to the MFO. The story contained information also from the Associated Press. Today's show is dedicated to these five U.S. service members. Captain Vandekamp, Chief Warrant Officer 3rd Garza, Chief Warrant Officer 2nd Gabar, Staff Sergeant McKee, Sergeant Sherman, as well as the French and Czech military members. We dedicate to them and to all the men and women that served in our military for the birth of this nation through today and into our hopeful future. We also dedicate to the brave men and women that serve as first responders here at home, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We dedicate to each and every one this song by my friend Todd Allen Herrington. My name is America. May God bless each and every one. I paid with the blood of my people. Freedom has never been free. Now my door's always open to 
dreamers and friends. When I'm attacked, I protect and defend. Because my name is America. I stand proud and free. My name is America. Don't tread on me. I cannot be broken. I cannot be shamed. If you hurt me, I'll get stronger. And I'll rise from the flames. And I'll always stand proud and free. I'm America. Don't tread on me. America is my dream. My dream was not taken from mother. Others gave it to me. They believe in the virtues I stand for. I respect for humanity. Now I'm challenged by tyrants. Who envy my power, but their vicious deeds become my finest hour, because my name is America. I stand firm and free. My name is America. Don't tread on me. I cannot be broken. I cannot be shamed. If you hurt me, I'll get stronger. And I'll rise up from the flames. And I'll always stand proud and free. I'm America. Don't tread on me. America is my Those who need me, I'll always be here. For those who will harm me, I'll face without fear. But I'll always be Listening live to Southern Sense again on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, up at iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, iHeartRadio, and half a dozen other places. I have no freaking idea where we're at. 
Oh, just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. And, oh, yes, you can look at my pretty face up on my webpage, Southern Sense. Just go to it, and you can watch the show live and watch my other co-host sitting behind me, little kitty called a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Last night, I had to stop uh, doing my show notes uh, because I had gotten an email and I've done this once before, participated in one of those Frank Lund's focus groups. And that last time was about two years ago. And that was up in the Wall Street, no, New York Times. That one was published up in the New York Times. It never did make it onto a TV or anything that I've, I've seen. Um, but this was a different one. Uh, this one was on um, democracy and elections. And, you know, um, the left loves to throw out the word democracy and it, it kind of like told me a lot about who um, who commissioned this study and what results they were looking for, because I got to I got to admit I've met Frank Luntz oh God uh, back in I think it was 2012 in the believe it or not in a hotel elevator, and um, he he does show at times his true colors exactly where he stands. He tries to pretend he stands in the middle of the road. He's he's nonpartisan, uh, but the manner in which he asks the questions and then demands how you answer them, you can't give the honest answer that you truly feel should be given. He says, "No, you can't say that. You can only say this or that." Uh, and a lot of us would go and like, "Well, that's not the answer we want to give you." So he kept on trying to corral us, and he found it a little bit hard. It's like trying to corral cats. There's 20 of us that participated. And as soon as the word democracy came out, he was asking to uh, define what our, our nation should be. And I said, a democratically elected republic based upon a set rule of laws, which is the Constitution. And everyone else was defining what they felt democracy, like uh, equal voice and freedom and things like that. But no one went to the heart of the matter that this is not a freaking democracy. This is a republic. And we're allowing the Democrats, the left-leaning Democrats, to destroy this republic by telling everyone it's a damn democracy. A democracy is mob rule. And that mob rule devolves into communism, socialism, and ultimately pure tyranny, because then only the 1% will direct the mob, and the mob will be beholden to that 1%. That is a democracy. That is tyranny. This is a republic, democratically elected republic, yes, but it still remains a republic, and you know what? The Supreme Court, in its last few rulings, just showed how much of a republic we have. The gun laws in New York State you know, that got knocked down, and now Dodd, the, the ruling on Dodd, which now vacates Roe v. Wade. They got it right this time. I'm sorry. I'm on a rant, Curtis. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I would listen to and watch hours and hours of um, liberal commentary and never once heard one of them call this a republic. Never yeah. once. It's always our democracy. And it's almost right. as though they're allergic to the, the term republic. I guess it's too familiar with Republican. <laughs> yeah. And and listening even to the news, 
And, yeah, conservative-leaning shows, which you can't say, honestly, Fox is anymore, but they'll say the democratic process or we're losing the democratic way. No, 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 no. We're losing the republic if we allow them to continue to whittle away at our God-given rights that are protected and enshrined in the Bill of Rights. In the Constitution. And they, they said, well, what do you want to see? Uh, the, how do you want to see the, the democracy go and elections go? And they're all answering, you know, uh, more participation, more transparency, more honesty, more this, more that. And I says, I want to see in this democracy a return of our government to the enumerated powers in the Constitution and then get officials elected to protect those enumerated powers and the state's rights and bring the rights back down to the states and off the back of us. Oops, that's not the answer he wanted. <laughs> and he's at it again. <laughs> and, you know, the left, they are not beyond lying, just straight out lying. Um, they're good at dealing in uh, character assassination. I was just looking at... Uh, a headline on the paper up in Jacksonville it's called Florida Times Union and they said 58% want Trump charge. Now I'm trying to figure out what 58% want Trump charge over this um, January 16th. They must interview all liberals. What what demographic did they tap into? Exactly. What demographic did they tap into to get those results? So they they create this 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 notion or idea that most Americans want Trump gone, and I know it's all an attempt to um, to block his chances of running again. That's all it is. Oh, yeah. They want to um, destroy this man because they're afraid of him. Yeah, you know if, if they do, if they charge him with a serious enough charge, and he's found guilty of that charge, yes. They can bar him from ever running for uh, federal office again. Um, But that takes a long time. And, of course, then there's also the appeals process. And while that is all happening, he can still continue to run for office. I mean, he can start campaigning as soon as next year. As soon as this this election is over here in November. He can start ramping up and be ready to hit the ground come January 1st. They're not going to have charges in time. Not this. Not this this committee. And there was a recent news study, a news story out, and I think I've got it in my everything else to talk about stack. Um, But a journalist had interviewed a couple of Democrats about the January 6th committee. And what the, the, the uh, members of the panel, these are people that are on the panel, two, two members of the panel. And they said, no one cares about it. No one's following it. No one really cares about it. Well, tell that to the January 6th prisoners still sitting behind bars and facing charges or those that are being railroaded into uh, 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 pleading guilty to stuff that they really aren't like, truly guilty about. You know, they care. There's people like you and I that care to see the truth come out. 
The Democrats are losing interest. The reason why? Because all the other information that's coming out in there about FBI agents and informants within the crowd, and now actually members of the Capitol Police uh, off in, in, in plain clothes within the crowd, yeah, I, who are the people that were actually egging these people on into walking in? And what about the officers that just stood by the doors as people walked in and no one stopped them? And they guided them, even telling them where the bathrooms were for them to use and posing for pictures with them. And then you're going you're gonna to charge these people because they were ushered in, they were welcomed in? It's all shady. There's a lot that's going to be coming out, a lot. And no one's mentioning the Antifa parking their vehicles and then changing into Trump memorabilia just to make it look like they were part of the crowd. And as soon as everything was over, run back to the vehicles and go back into their black ninja outfits. Oh, come on. Really? Well, that's what they do. They they stage a lot of things. And uh, I remember a paper one time showing that these – KKK members uh, that showed up at a Tea Party rally, they took a closer look at their hands, and they had black hands. They they forgot to uh, <laughs> they forgot to color their hands white. So it was all set up. They want to um, just get bad press to the Tea Party by making it seem like they were racist and had the support of the KKK. But if you, if you do that, you get a bunch of your white buddies and say, hey, listen, you know, do this for us. You know, you pay them if you have to, but you don't send the black guys in to pretend that they're white and yeah. <laughs> supremacists. That was funny. Oh, man. I just, Criminals aren't always the brightest. No, not, not always the brightest bulbs in the box. I got to tell you that. I honestly have to tell you that. But it, it was interesting because the focus group – and what it did show is that there were people from all spectrums, I mean from all over the United States, uh, as far as way as Hawaii also. And um, they were good questions, but they were all tailored. And that was the first thing I noticed when – because he would put the sheet of questions up there so you can see and say, all right, fine, I would add this to the list or I would support that part of the list. So you're actually reading the questions that he's looking at also. Uh, but you can see that they were specifically tailored to evoke a certain response. And he didn't want to veer too far from the response he expected you to give. That's the one thing I found. Cause this is, like I said, this is the second time I did one of these focus groups. Um, and uh, I found it interesting the first time, but it, I became more noticeable in this one. Uh, when he would not allow us to answer two of the questions uh, in the way that we all instinctively felt it should be answered. And we found actually we had a lot more common ground than we had different ground. And, you know, generally, overall, the vast majority of people here in the United States wants the best for us. We may be coming at it from opposite sides, but we do have a way in which we can get towards the middle and find that common ground and to protect our rights and liberties. And we're allowing not even 10%, but 1% of our society to control the conversation. And we've got to take that conversation back. We really do. And uh, we're waiting for our first guest to uh, call in. And uh, 
He didn't give me a phone number in which to call him. No, he did not. He did not give me a phone Rich, number in which Rich to Mitchell. call. Yeah. That's, that's wow. not too good. That's not too good. So we're just waiting for our first guest to call. And, of course, you know, it's live today. So, of course, you know, we expect everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And uh, let me see if I can send a quick email to him. Uh, yeah. And uh, if we can get uh, him to call in. I'm just going to put a quick note in here. Uh, okay, so no call from Rick. We're live. Uh-huh. Now, ever since the um, announcement of uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned, I've seen the vote as being six to three. I've seen it five to four, and now I'm seeing it five three one. As though one of the justices um, abstained. It's hard to get information on this stuff, but I am curious how they voted. Well, I know the three liberals, they stuck together as always. Yet, when we stick together, that's a problem for the left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it is, it is, it is. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, after I did the um, the dedication when we came back live uh, Republican Senator Kramer, uh, he's Republican out of North Dakota, uh, over the weekend had a serious accident. Um, he was working in his yard, unknown what he was doing, but he had a bad accident and a serious injury to his hand. Uh, at this point, we don't know exactly what, uh, but there is a high risk of infection and a possible need for an amputation, his office said. So please keep Senator Kramer, um, Senator Kevin Kramer out of uh, North Dakota uh, in your thoughts and prayers uh, as he goes through this health crisis. Um, so that's one more uh, Republican center, senator that's not going to be available uh, for any of these votes coming up uh, because the gun issues are coming up now uh, as well as uh, – Lord knows uh, there's the budget. There's a whole mess of stuff coming up. Uh, and we need every single Republican senator out there to do their job uh, and work hard for us. But uh, keep them in his pr- in our prayers. Uh, just a little point yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Now, I finally found out who the one was, and there's no surprise. Chief Justice John Roberts did not join the majority, writing in a concurring opinion that he would not have overturned Roe but instead would have only uphold Mississippi's law banning abortions after 15 weeks. See, it's a good thing we got more people on the court on our side than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone, uh, there was a press conference, I believe, if anyone saw it that's uh, listening in, let me know. Uh, supposedly Biden was going to make some sort of a announcement or a speech or whatever uh, from the White House about uh, the uh, Dodd case and overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, But this was, someone caught a screen uh, shot of President Biden at the White House meeting. And um, 
he's holding a cue card. And you would think it would be notes about what he's going to be saying in his speech. Of course, he's using a teleprompter, so he really doesn't need a cue card. But someone got the, uh, the a screenshot and blew up the cue card, and I'm, sure, I'm serious. Listen to what was on the cue card. And it's, on top it says the president, meaning it's his cue card. And then it gives the title, Offshore Wind Drop By Sequence of Events. And it looks like this looks like maybe our guest. All right, let's welcome on to Southern Sense, uh, Rick Mehta. How are you doing today, Rick? Hey, uh, doing well. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, you're out of New Jersey, and i got to tell you, uh, I've got a lot of family still in New Jersey, up in Monmouth County, up uh, off the Navesink River, Red Bank, Little Silver, and all that area. So my mom's from there. And uh, I used to drive her crazy going, you drive like a Jersey driver, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beautiful area right on the coastline, so she's in a great place. Well, now she's now living down here with me in South Carolina. They had moved to the Virgin Islands, so it was good to flee the tri-state area, <laughs> all <Yeah>. of us. <laughs> now, I was starting to talk just before you came on air. Uh, I don't know if you saw the clip about Biden and his little cheat sheet when he went and did a White House presser about offshore wind. And in the chief cheat sheet, it says, you enter the Roosevelt Room and say hello to the participants. You take your seat. <laughs> the press enters. I'm serious. This is the card that he was holding up, telling him what to do. You give your brief comment, two minutes. Uh, the press departs. You ask Liz, Liz Schuller, president of the AFL-CIO, a question. Uh, Liz is noting, joining virtually, note. You thank the participants. You depart. I'm serious. This is just the card President Biden was holding in his hand, and this is the man with his thumb on the button. <laughs> That's right. It, oh, we're it, in trouble. It, it's incredible. Uh, it does not, you know, command a sense of uh, uh, respect or a sense of uh, authority. You know, we, we have become the laughingstock across the globe. You know, someone must have forgotten to give his card not to uh, fall off his bicycle the other day. Uh, but it's 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 quite incredible that this is the man that is uh, supposed to be the helm uh, and the the chief of the uh, of the free world. So, yeah, a lot of changes that be held. Wow. Now the the talk this morning is is about the the ruling SCOTUS just gave on Dodd, uh, which now overturns Roe v. Wade. And my co-host Curtis uh, just pulled up that the one. Um, uh, Curtis, was this one the one dissenting, vo- not dissenting, but uh, did not uh, give a voice? Uh, this was Chief Justice yeah, he, John, uh, John Roberts? Yeah. He didn't go he with stayed. the uh, majority. He wrote his yeah. own separate opinion, saying that he would have he would not have banned it. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's disappointing. But, you know, yeah. more importantly, you know, today is a, is a great victory for our children. <laughs> Uh, it's, it, and, and more importantly, legally and objectively, it's a great victory for state rights. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, but now we have to watch the news tonight because the uh, the pro-abortion side is threatening massive riots tonight. So, folks, if you're in the D.C. area or around any of these clinics, please, please be super, yeah. super careful. Um, yeah, maybe we have an investigation into that if they do that, you know. Like yeah, right. January 6th. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you ran for Congress and then for Senate out of uh, New Jersey. Unfortunately, you didn't get through. Uh, so thank you for you know, participating and, and being a great support for us. Uh, but now uh, we're looking at everything that's going on, and you worked with the FDA. Uh, are, is this administration deliberately engineering crises to just keep our eye off of what is actually going on behind the curtain? I mean, we're looking at baby formula. We're looking at airline cancellations. Uh, is this all being engineered so that we don't pay attention to the, actually the true problems, the economy, the price of gas, jobs, and things like that? Well, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, it sure is a sleight of hand. You know, the true issues are that people are having a hard time putting food on the table. They're having a hard time getting back to work, getting jobs, and then if they do, paying for that. You know, gas prices are astronomical, supply chain shortages. Uh, it's probably one of the worst uh, times we've had in the last, uh, I'd say, at least a few decades. Uh, probably one of the worst presidents we've had in terms of the economy's overall rating. Uh, and it's a very, you know, totalitarian approach, you know, very much, uh, you know, if they can't afford food, then let them eat cake approach. You know, if they can't afford gas, let them buy a Tesla. Uh, which is ridiculous. You know, they are so out of touch and tone deaf with the average American family trying to raise their kids, put food on the table, get them to school and educated without being indoctrinated. And just common sense uh, matters that affect the everyday American. They're not focused on that. Um, so, you know, this being a political year with the midterms looming in November, it does feel like a lot of crises is, is becoming more and more prominent in terms of a sleight-of-hand approach. I mean, right now, you know, what is the virus du jour, right? Now it's went from COVID to monkeypox and deciding whether there should be a public health emergency for that. Anything to usurp constitutional rights, to usurp individual liberties, and use public health as an excuse to pause constitutional rights seems to be more taxpayer dollars from the Justice Department being spent on that under the Biden administration rather than focusing on American families, getting them back to work, and raising them healthy and happy. So, you know, we're going to see a lot of changes, but surely this administration is a complete mess right now. You know, I, I was talking to the audience just prior, because last night I did one of uh, Frank Luntz's uh, focus groups about democracy and the election. And it was interesting to listening to the other participants, their responses. And um, there's many of us that feel that this administration uh, and the government swamp has actually become weaponized. Because heaven forbid you turn around and you start discussing where COVID actually originated from, where the funding came from, how did this outbreak occur? And then in a previous uh, show, I was talking about uh, this uh, war game that they did about a viral outbreak uh, with WHO and some other organizations. And ironically, they used monkeypox as the virus that they were doing their, their game plan on. And for some reason, it broke out exactly how the war games scenario went. It was over a weekend uh, soiree that involved uh, – bisexual and homosexual uh, males, and then spread exactly as they predicted from the exact weekend to the exact form of transmission. So I'm just wondering how much more is being weaponized against us, Rick? 
Well, you know, and the funding for this, really, if you get down to the root cause of this evil, came from the NIH, came from the approval of Dr. Fauci and his predecessor, the head of the NIH, uh, Francis Collins, who resigned, um, looking at funding the Wuhan Virus Virology Institute uh, that created then this, what we know, viruses to have a gain of function, which we know that's not common, commonly held naturally occurring with viruses. And somehow that investigation into the origins of the virus, where we know came from China, but the real question is, was it deliberately released to the world um, or was it an accident? What was the research that was going on so we can gain insights to protect us from this? Somehow the focus has completely diverted and there's zero focus on investigating the origins of the virus and to make sure that we stop this from ever happening again, that we don't continue to allow for funding that can create viruses into, you know, weaponized situations, especially in countries that don't have our best interests. I mean, at the end of the day, China is still a communist country outsizing a, a navy that's uh, challenging ours right now in the South China Sea and the Indian Ocean. Uh, and again, when we look at it so focused nationally on decisions like you know overturning Roe v. Wade today, we're forgetting that there are countries that do not have America's best interests, that 80% of our raw materials to make our essential medicines come from China, and that we've known this for a number of years and allowed for globalization to happen. In fact, use taxpayer monies to allow for com companies out in China to outsource our production of our essential manufacturing. Uh, you know, you start to wonder what is the state of affairs of our country and how vulnerable have we become, especially under the Biden administration? It is scary. You know, there's, there's so much. I, if I even tried to break down what you did part by part, we would be here for the next four hours. You know, start with you know our medicines coming out of China. Well, who's the main main manufacturer of the chemicals that create fentanyl? Who's the main exporter of those chemicals to Mexico so that they can constitute them in the lab and smuggle them across our border? China. Uh, but yet we allow them to do our pharmaceuticals. Now, I had a bad allergic reaction to an antibiotic that I've taken for years. I wear a medical alert bracelet because I ended up in ICU in full anaphylactic shock. I'm like, well, was this antibiotic made in China and what went into it that I was allergic to? What else are they putting in there that we do not know because we don't, we don't monitor their labs? much less monitor what they export to the United States. All these containers come over, and we're not allowed to look inside them to see what they actually are shipping us. You know, people say, well, why don't we make friends with China and get more business out of China? But that is a dangerous path to go down. Yeah. It, it is a dangerous path, and, and we've known this for the better half of two decades as we stopped making the last manufacturing plant of even penicillin or antibiotics. To your point, it all comes uh, from China now. And so under the Obama administration, the response theirs was very simple. Deal with globalization by using U.S. taxpayer money to outsize FDA offices in China to allow for inspections. Well, the problem is, is that you're dealing with a communist country. So if you don't think that these companies, which are for the better half government run, are tipped off that when you have uh, 
let's say, an anonymous inspection by the FDA or an unannounced inspection that they're tipped off in advance so they clean up what they don't want you to see. Well, of course that's happening. And now you see this. This isn't, you know, just figuratively or, you know, conjecture, um, you know, or tinfoil hat stuff. We have actual carcinogenic uh, ingredients that came from the raw materials that were manufactured in China in our blood pressure medicine, in our cholesterol medicine, to the point where these products have had to be recalled. Uh, but given the you know, focus of the media and the Biden administration, they're not talking about these types of things. You know, they got the American public focused on COVID, which we know has a very low uh, case fatality rate. The fact is that we still are under a federal public health emergency, of which I question, you know, can you have an emergency in perpetuity? What exactly is the emergency? But that allows for, you know, bending the, the rules and the pausing constitutional rights, allowing for emergency use authorization for vaccines. Uh, and so the Biden administration has, in sense, created and expanded their authority by using public health as an excuse to pause constitutional rights. And so when you look at decisions like today that retains the rights to the states to decide things on what we call ordered liberty, this is a huge victory for state rights, which was the fundamental foundation of our country, which is protecting individual liberty. Uh, and so when you look at it, the bigger picture, this the reason why folks like Nancy Pelosi and President Biden and I think even Michelle Obama issued statements saying that this was a devastating uh, opinion. What they don't, what really in a sense they're upset about is the fact that the federal government is now going to be downsized. And that's a good thing for our country. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because I had some friends of mine have to testify before Congress when we formed the Tea Parties, uh, Joe Dugan, Diane Hardy, and I forget uh, who else was. It might have been Jerry McDaniels that testified uh, when the IRS went after them because they wanted to become 501c3s. And I was the one voice saying, don't do it, don't do it. And we saw the weaponization against the Tea Party movement which I thought was absolutely uh, not, not hysterical, but they did it the wrong way. They went after that one guy in California when he wrote on the dollar bill or stamped it with Tim Geithner's name as saying tax cheat. Uh, so whenever he saw a bill with Tim Geithner's name, he would stamp on it tax cheat. So what they do, they audited him trying to, you know, they, they stick the IRS on him. Well, you know, the law enforcement part in me goes, you idiots, you wanted to get him. You wanted to get him good on a federal charge. He defaced the currency. He defaced a U.S. document. That's a felony, guys. That's an easy one. They use the IRS to basically say, we're going to do this, and if you speak up, we're letting them come after you. And we, I saw this way back then, and it's gotten worse and worse now. Look what's going on with the January 6th defendants. Come on, where's due process? Yep, that, that's exactly right. I think what's happening, and, and we've seen these even at the uh, state level, is that they're expanding the use of police power. Um, and, you know, look at what's going on with COVID and the vaccination rollout response, right? So they're threatening nurses and doctors that either don't recommend vaccination, don't give it. Uh, they'll threaten their medical license. And, you know, they're basically weaponizing or using the police force to push this public health agenda. Uh, and we know, and not just myself, but many expert epidemiologists, many of my uh, colleagues and friends and others know that, you know, we were never going to reach herd immunity. Uh, so if you're creating a mandatory approach 
forcing medical intervention on someone, uh, then, you know, you are impeding on their individual liberty to, you know, decide what's best for themselves. And that's a high nexus you have to reach. You know, you have to make sure that the means are justified by the ends. And in this case, the ends should have been achieving herd immunity. Uh, and the Biden administration continued to use disinformation to say, well, you're protecting others when we know that wasn't the case. And so, you know, there has been a lot of disinformation, misinformation being put out by the Biden at FDA, by the Biden CDC uh, to push, you know, a narrative, to push, uh, you know, a particular agenda. Um, and, and even now, you know, again, a, allowing for the continuation of a federal public health emergency, you know, without any basis. Uh, and so these court opinions, both the concealed carry permit uh, case and, you know, the recent case overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, I think are going to monumentally build uh, into limiting the power of the federal government and hopefully give state you know, authorities back. You know, the most notable language out of the opinion said that, you know, while we're overturning uh, planned uh, parenthood we, versus Casey, uh, we are allowing for elected representatives and for the power to be given back to the people, which specifically means that they that now people are being um, subjected to the political process, meaning you can allow for the elected representatives to deal with this issue as a, as a matter of legislation. And I think that's a great victory for constitutional rights altogether. Oh, that hey, is Rick. that it is. Uh, Rick, go ahead. I would say within the, the DNA of the left, there's a core dishonesty on their part. Um, say, for instance, just like um, COVID, they made it sound like it was probably far worse than what it was when there were other remedies that could have been um, utilized, but they didn't seek to do that or promote that. Everything was external with them. And even with Roe versus Wade, they're saying that they're putting on as though this ends the right of women from getting abortions, when in fact, there will still be states that that will sign on to that, you know. And what ticks me off is that I don't hear anybody really on Republican side clarifying that, you know, this doesn't end abortion. It just leaves it to the states. There will be states where women could go to get abortions. So I think when we don't speak up, we play into their hands. I, I couldn't agree more, and that was really well said. I think – and I really like this quote out of the opinion today. What Justice Alito said um, is that the 14th Amendment's due process clause is not part of what he called the nation's historical understanding of ordered liberty, which means the limitations of freedoms that are afforded to us by the Constitution in order to maintain an ordered society Abortion doesn't fit within that, and that is the spirit of the 14th Amendment. Uh, and, you know, saying that, that abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition says that the U.S. Constitution um, cannot legally uh, acknowledge that, but allowing for this to be part in, in given back to the states. And so, if anything, this opinion is really a victory for state rights uh, and the foundation of our country. And I agree, Republicans and others should be stepping up to say, uh, look, I, I live in New Jersey. Absolutely nothing related to abortion has changed in New Jersey. They've already codified the right to get an abortion. And I think what's happening is that there's an overarching national narrative in order to protect Democrat House seats. 
and firing up the base of which we know that in the midterms is a historically low turnout and that Democrats aren't incentivized. And so if anything, I you know, would opine to say that, you know, maybe some Democrat leaders, establishment leaders are probably happy about today's opinion because they know they can use that uh, to fire up their base to get people to vote in the midterm elections, hoping to protect some of their seats, is my guess. Uh, Because you see that the Biden administration has been doing nothing but ruling by political science. And with at least with the COVID response, we know that it's not been couched in a medical scientific approach. I like that political science. <laughs> what are the biggest oxymorons possible? Uh, but you, you were mentioning uh, the COVID. And, <laughs> uh, you mentioned COVID and the vaccines, and I read a very disturbing yeah. article either yesterday or the day before in the Epic Times, and it. it it, it, I don't know why it surprised me because I really could not really put something past them. The NIH was working on um, a vaccine that was contagious. The same way as the COVID is contagious and you can spread it from person to person, you should be able to spread this vaccine from person to person so that if a person does not want to get vaccinated, that against their will, they're automatically vaccinated because they got infected with the vaccine. Did you read that article? Did you see anything or hear anything about that? Yeah, no, you know, I have, no, I haven't followed that one. Um, But, you know, it's it's not surprising coming out some of the things that are coming out um, out of the NIH. You know, it seems like, you know, there's less focus on natural immunity. In fact, again, you know, if you even mention natural immunity, you're like a tinfoil hat um, conspiracy theorist, which is, which is insane. You know, I remember, you know, growing up, you know, you'd get the chicken pox, you know, and again, it's not apples to apples between COVID and, you know, uh, the chicken pox. But again, you'd get it, you'd form antibodies and you'd move on. In fact, I remember my parents saying, hey, make sure you expose your sister so she can get it and be done with it. Right. So, you know, we've been living with viruses for such a long period of time. I mean, even with COVID being the coronavirus, you know, which is the foundational format of the common cold as well. You know, the question now really is going to be, you know, will viruses cripple our constitutional rights um, infinitum? Because you, we've been living under a federal public health emergency for more than two years now. And as far as I know, you can't have an emergency in perpetuity. So, you know, the, the, it's becoming where the government is becoming too big to fail, you know, and we've seen that before. But the systems and industries and businesses that have now been created as a as a business under COVID and this public health emergency, um, it's it's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. Yeah, there's a lot of big bucks in it. There was a lot of big bucks in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, because you've been in it. Uh, you have your own company now. Um, I always found that having a middleman between the drug uh, pr- uh, producer and the uh, pharmacist or the doctor, you had a middleman that was making a lot of money, and you wondered why drugs were costing so much. Well, first off, the, have, trying to get the approval through the FDA of these drugs and having them put through the test and everything else, you know, that's a very expensive uh, process. But have, throwing a middleman in the middle, and as a pharmacist, didn't you find that very annoying that you had to go through another uh, entity before you can get the product out to your patients? 
Yeah. Well, they, you know, the entire system, I think, taking a step back, you know, just um, a few days ago, maybe about a week ago, the FDA panel advisory committee and the FDA itself issued emergency use authorization for the vaccine for ages six, all the way down to six months, oh, six months yeah, to five years. Right now, emergency use authorization, if you go to the FDA website, you don't have to be a lawyer. It clearly reads is access to an unapproved product. It's access to an unapproved product, whereas the media is reporting that the FDA has now approved a vaccine for children as young as six months. And you have, you know, media medical pundits and others saying that now the in fact, President Biden issued a tweet saying it's safe and effective. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> that is not exactly the legal interpretation of that. It's an unapproved product, which is only safe and effective to what the uh, data is allowable and you know, accessible at the moment's time, but it's not full approval of the product. And so this, again, continues to be disinformation where parents are now trusting to say, well, you know, the FDA has uh, given a green light to allow for this. And really, emergency use was was a kind of play on from the original compassionate use that we had in the uh, late 80s, uh, where there were a lot of AIDS and HIV medications, um, you know, where people were dying before the uh, drugs were available to them and allowing them to take it uh, because they had no other alternative where they were going to die anyways. Uh, and that's where this sort of compassionate use program spawned from, allowing for what we now know as sort of the modern-day application of emergency use access. But that's not the case here. That's not the case. You know, we, we don't have a crisis where people are, you know, outliving, you know, the disease is uh, killing them before the FDA approval process as they were in the case of HIV and AIDS epidemic. And they've really, what I think, have done is bastardized the FDA approval process. In fact, many, many medical experts and opinion uh, commentators out there are feeling the same way where, you know, have we completely watered down uh, what we know as the gold, what was the gold standard for keeping, you know, products safe? Uh, but it also raises another question is that, or the regulatory processes too cumbersome uh, in general. And, uh, you know, again, rather than focusing on that, the Biden administration is, uh, you know, focused on, Gosh, I don't know. Continuing to, you know, crush American families, as far as I know. Uh, all right. Well, Rick, I wish we had more time with you. We're going to have to definitely have you come back on. There's so much to talk about, especially with uh, doctors in the NIH approving drugs that they get royalties on. That doesn't sound like bribery, does that to you? Nah, <laughs> nah, not the least bit. But definitely, definitely have to have you come back on. Will you? Rick? Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Okay. Well, God bless you, and we will be talking soon. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take care. Rick Medit, check him out. He's got up on Facebook. Uh, Always a lot of pleasure, a lot of fun talking to him. Let's bring in our next victim. Uh, I've got five cats here, and I'm going to stick them on him. Uh, Bark Twain. How are you doing, Bark? Good. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing absolutely fine. You just recently wrote a very hilarious book, a little short, it's a little 16 pages. But as I was reading it, I was laughing my little pussy off, and uh, my cats were trying to rip the pages out of my hand as they snarled at me. (laughs) (laughs) Not a cat book. (laughs) 
No, it is a very, very clever book because you hit the nail on the head. Even though it is a very funny book, you think about what you're talking about and how our society has devolved uh, because we have a government that would rather have us dependent upon them uh, lapping at the altar of government rather than at the altar of God. It takes away our incentive to work and to produce. Uh, and you just nailed it in this book. I appreciate it. I think the the premise of the book is basically, you know, go back to work, get off the couch, stop watching TV, stop eating bonbons, go back to work and, you know, contribute. Don't just sit home, lay down, you know, play video games, do whatever you do. Just go back to work. So every mother should buy it for her son that won't get out of the basement. Every wife should buy it for her husband that won't get out, uh, off the couch. Every girlfriend should buy it for their boyfriend that won't leave the house, boyfriend for girlfriend. I'm just saying it's a book everybody should own because it's funny and it gets to the point. It's kind of like let's move on with life. You know, leave Absolutely. the dog alone. Get out of the house. <laughs> well, I, I like the way you do it so cleverly because here the dog is saying, hey, you know, you're cramping my style. I want to get it with that poodle next door. You know, uh you haven't changed your clothes, you know, you're, you're buying Bitcoin rather than, tr- and you don't have money. So how does he got money to buy Bitcoin if he's not working? Oh, that's right. He's getting a government check, isn't he? Uh, you know, I, I'm still not sure how he's, uh, <laughs> if you see in there, you know, I, I have a, a, I'm worried about getting dog food. Um, I assume it's a government check, um, but I'm not like 100% certain. What I do know is that um, the gentleman in the book is, is lazy as anything, and <laughs> he's living off of something, and he needs to get out of the house. And the dog was giving him his keys, was leaving the briefcase at the front door, was in fact, you were right, he was trying to get with the poodle next door before she leaves him for the neighbor's Labrador. So, you know... And it, the same thing with Dogecoin, you know, uh, you were, you've been trading Dogecoin all day, so I won't make a fuss. You know who else does? Elon Musk. Go the bark to work. <laughs> so it's a, it's a fun book. And, you know, like everybody, every man during the pandemic decided that it was cool to grow a beard and not shave. So, you know, the dog owner in this book happened to look like the Unabomber. So, um, you know, uh, you know, shave, you know, fleas, ticks, or worms. I'm not sure which will come sooner. I need to take you to my groomer. Go the bar to work. <laughs> so you had fun with it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it's funny, you know, we ran out of toilet paper during the pandemic, but we didn't run out of razor blades. If you think about what did not go flying off the shelf. Paper towels and, and toilet paper. Why those two things, but not razor blades? So when I was reading that, I, I, like I said, I was just laughing. Uh, it was, it, it is, I, actually, I think everyone should get the book, which is up on Amazon. Matter of fact, if they go to the description in the show, and I do get a lot of people in the archives, they just click on Go to the Bark to Work, and, and they can get the book right there. Uh, it, you, you nailed it, because... Here you are, you've got this individual in your house, someone that was productive, someone that was active, and also interacted with you wonderfully, that now becomes this lump on the couch 
uh, and there's nothing else in their world except, you know, the game, the movies, whatever thing it is, except going back to who you should be. I mean, how many parents are getting frustrated? How many spouses do they talk about? And yes, it does cause emotional friction too, right? You have the poor dog on the on the shrink's couch. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I, I believe that line is: "You should be at work, adding to your wealth. You being home is bad for my mental health. Go to bar to work." Um, yeah. So yeah, dogs. You know, dogs have problems with. You know, uh, they, they like to be left alone. During the day is like their alone time where they could do things that they want to do. They could lay on the, the couch. Uh, they could cause trouble. Um, you know, they could, like, lay on the dining room table. They could, you know, escape the house. They could, you know, lick everything in sight, eat everything in sight. But when you're home, they can't do any of that stuff. So they can't be themselves. <laughs> so it's like a kid at daycare. Right, you drop a kid off at daycare. He has fun for like six hours because he's not going to, you know, he's 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 away from home. When you leave, it's a dog's house. When you come back, you're cramping his style. So, well, you know, it's funny because you know, with my cats, you know, if I walk out, if I'm doing something outside or whatever, when I come back in, you know, they're all over where I normally sit. It's like, all right, wait a minute. This is my chair. No, and they'll keep me like, no, 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 mom. This is our chair. <laughs> no, 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 no. You go do something else, or you go to get into bed, and all their toys are on the bed. It's like, no, wait, wait. This is our chair. No, no, no. This is the bed I sleep in. So animals are really, really funny that way. You know, whatever area you claim to have been yours, it's not yours anymore. It's theirs, isn't it? Oh, babe, are you? Of course, when they're territorial. So once they claim something, it's theirs, no longer yours. So, I mean, that's that's why dogs, um, when they go outside, right, they, they always pee in, like, the same place because they own that spot. They don't want anybody else going near that spot. So they're smart dogs. Cats, I don't know about cats. but um, you, <laughs> you don't know, have to walk dog. them. <laughs> what? You don't have to walk them. <laughs> You're right. And... You know, the, the one good thing about, you know, there were dogs that were getting tired because their owners had nothing to do. They just kept walking them all day. Dogs actually were getting tired. They didn't, they didn't want the exercise. It was too much exercise for them. They just wanted to sleep. Dogs sleep all day. I don't know if you noted. Like, I'm sure cats do as well, but dogs sleep all day. Now they're up and they're sleeping all night. So dogs usually get about 17, 18 hours of sleep a day. Now it's like... You know, it, it's it's sad. I really do feel bad for those animals, and I'm a veterinarian. Ah, so uh, well, yeah. cats. And my real name is Bark. Are... Believe it or not, my real name is Bark. <laughs> I'm a veterinarian whose parents decided to call me Bark. <laughs> so, it's all well, true. you know, the cats cats do like to sleep during the day, and then at night especially two or three in the morning, there they go. And and if you're sleeping, you're the play field because they're going to be bouncing off of you as they chase, chase each other. Matter of fact, I've got a, a feral cat outside that keeps on tripping off my alarm every night at 2.30 in the morning as he strolls across my backyard setting off the camera. 
Cats are nocturnal also, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, look, uh, maybe one day my dog and your cats could have a play date and let's see if they get along. Um, oh, that, that'd be and, interesting. Yeah, it'll be, um, it, it'll be fun because um, my dog is, uh, is very clever. You know, hand me my keys. He would do everything. Even the fact, like, when I finally did leave the house, he somehow managed to call a locksmith to come and change all the locks. He didn't <laughs> want me coming back home. My dog is a smart dog. What can I tell you? Well, one of my kittens is so so smart, I named her Puppy, Baby Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, take take a look at this. Is like I guarantee you, my dog is a lot smarter than Joe Biden's dog. <laughs> Joe Biden's dog bites people. My <laughs> dog doesn't bite anybody. So oh, that's true. He makes an angry face, but he doesn't bite. That's true. So uh, that's true. I think every. Yeah. Everybody needs to buy this book. Um, oh, yes. You know. Now, it, it's funny yeah. because you talk about uh, going on the dating app <laughs> and trying to get someone interested in you. Uh, I got I to admit, you know, um, I'm at that point in my life, you know, being a widow. Uh, I went on to Silver Singles, and boy, is <laughs> that disappointing. I'm telling you, meeting someone in person is a lot better than trying on these dating apps. Uh, these guys that go on there, oh, please, please. It yeah, work. you know, uh, I let myself go. I got huge. And, um, you know, nobody was swiping right. They were all swiping left. Nobody wanted any part of me. So not even my dog. You know, my dog was get out. The girls were get out, right? So, I mean, they didn't swipe right. So I was lonely and annoying the crap out of my dog. So, you know, it's uh, I'm lucky he didn't bite me. But he, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, when I left, you know, I've never seen a dog smile so much in my life. I actually saw all his teeth. Like a <laughs> smile like he was saying cheese to a camera. So, you know, I don't blame him. I, I'm I'm a little annoying and I'm a slob, so I get it. But it's still tough. Well, Buffy man's best friend. What? Well, no, no. I'm laughing because here, here, you're wearing how many masks? One mask, two masks, three masks, four. I mean, the yeah. people. How how the heck do you breathe through those things? When the best thing for you, if you want to fight the virus, is simply fresh air and sunshine. That's that's the best prevention. Just get out of the house. And, you know, listen, Bark is right. <laughs> the masks don't work. Uh, you should see Bark's attitude when, when, when I was taking him for a walk outside. And uh, he, whenever he saw somebody with a mask outside, he would just shake his head. He'd just go left <laughs> or right, just shake his head. And I look you know, at him what, and I say, "What's the matter, Bark?" And he would just shake well, his head. Well, what about those that you see riding in the car? There's no one else in the car. The windows are all rolled up, and they're wearing a mask. I mean, and they Bark's, don't even have a dog yeah. with them. Yeah, Bark's. You know, to be honest with you, it's kind of crazy. So, um, Bark isn't a very political person. 
um, you know, he's a dog. He, he just like likes wants to make sure that his his food is there. And he has water, but he saw in the news that Florida was wide open, and he didn't quite understand why Florida was open and, and other states weren't. So for some reason, every time he sees Ron DeSantis on the news, his tail goes crazy. <laughs> the dog loves Ron DeSantis. It's wild. Um. So, yeah, I mean, he's basically telling me he wants to move to Florida. Well, you know, uh, here What's in that? South Carolina, our governor uh, kept us pretty open, not as wide open as uh, as Florida or Texas, but he did a pretty good job. Uh, he had a couple of little glitches, but most on the most part, you know, we're, we're fairly open. And uh, recently I was going through the grocery store, and some people stopped me in the in the vegetable aisle. I'm like, all right. I know a lot of men try to pick women up in the vegetable aisle. Why the vegetable and fruit aisle? I don't know. Maybe like squeezing the peaches. Uh, but they were, they're asking here in South Carolina, we don't see anyone wearing masks. And I said, Yeah, we're an open state, just like Florida. He goes, We love it. They came down from New York. I mean, it works, doesn't it? It works. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you know, if if you're afraid of COVID, you could stay in the house. Um, you can go to work with a mask, right? There's nobody saying that, that, that people can't wear masks. They're just saying, I don't want to wear one. Nobody's saying you can't, right? People are just saying, I don't want to. Um, so it's kind of a, a weird situation. And theoretically, if you have a mask on, one, you know, the people that are wearing the masks think that the people aren't wearing a mask can give it can give it to them, right? So it's kind of like a psychological thing, just like with the toilet paper. The reason why there was a shortage of toilet paper and uh, and bounty was because it was a psychological uh, thing where people had control over that, and they wanted to make sure that they had control over that part of of their life. And when they see an excess of it, they start hoarding. So. That was the issue. Was it was it was a whole bunch of hoarding. I just thought more and more people were just full of it, <laughs> and they needed the extra toilet paper. <laughs> Probably too. But I read an article that people were were hoarding toilet paper for like uh, psychological reasons, um, which which kind of makes sense, right? You have control over that, and you don't want to like run out of toilet paper because that would be a disaster. So let's just bulk up, right? It's not like you're going to go outside and start, like, taking leaves off the trees. Or do like they did in the Soviet Union, use the newspaper. Oh, wait a minute. People don't read newspaper anymore, so they don't even have that as a backup anymore, do they? Yeah, which is kind of upsetting because, you know, that's usually how, how I used to train the, you know, potty train the dogs is that they would go on newspaper, um, mm-hmm. And there's no paper anymore, so now you got to get wee wee pads. Oh yeah, um, yeah, wee wee pads. And just saying that the world has gone bananas. It's it's bad to be a dog these days. Bad. <laughs> Especially when you have crazy owners. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it's like take the dog for a walk or play video games. Hum, video games. <laughs> So yeah, it's a, it's it's you know it's a fun book. It was it was meant to be you know read and, and fun and at the same time kind of give somebody the hints, 
You know, it's like one of those those things. I mean, Judge Jeanine Pirro featured it on the uh, the Five as one of her favorite things, and uh, and she got the word out. Um, she got a copy of the book and really liked it. And the the premise of the book is like, get off your tuchus and go back to work. Go get a job. This work from home stuff doesn't work. So it's kind of like, let's try and get people back to the office. Um, yeah. Give the dog a break. I mean, how many people are, are waiting? They can't go to a restaurant because there's no wait staff. There's no kitchen staff. Uh, you go to any other store and you've got a long line waiting because you can't even get people to work the registers or stock the aisles. Uh, I mean, there are tons of jobs out there, a matter of just getting off the couch and applying yourself. So what? You're flipping burgers in McDonald's. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. McDonald's just went and automated everything because you wanted that $15 an hour uh, minimum wage. So McDonald's said, well, for $10,000 initial installation and for a minimum outcape for the next several years, I can cut my expenses in half by cutting you out and putting a machine in your place. That's what happens when you sit on the couch and you don't get out, right? Yeah, that's why everybody needs to go the bark to work, <laughs> um, as I as I say in the book. And it's kind of it's kind of self explanatory. Um, it, it really is. It's like just go live your life. Um, get off the couch. You know, I have a dog that is a fan of Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis opened up the state of Florida. So Bark wants to move to Florida. And uh, and it, it's strange. So for your listeners that are listening, is my name is Bark. Like I told you, I'm a vet. Parents name me Bark because they're also vets. And my, uh, my, my dog's name is also Bark, so we call him Bark Jr. <laughs> so all that stuff is true. So he's 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 little bark. He's little bark, yeah. <laughs> and he's uh, he's funny. He's fun, you know. He it's fun to be around him, but at the same time, he needs his space, you know. So we kind of got a divorce for a little while. He was like, you know, he went on the other side of the house. I went on the other side of the house, and he needed his space. And you know, he only came to me when he was hungry. It was rather sad, actually. My dog wanted a divorce. <laughs> so, um, you know, we agreed that he'd stay on that side of the house and I'd stay on this side of the house, and you know, until we were able to reconcile. We, uh, we did what we had to do. Separate bedrooms. <laughs> All separate bedrooms. Oh, yeah, separate, um, uh, separate water fountain. You know, uh, separate, uh, uh, separate food. You know, we used to I, I, he used to eat some of my food. You know, he didn't want it anymore. I mean, it was it was it was terrible. Um, you know, if I would go out in the backyard to play, he would go pee in the front yard. <laughs> it was uh, it was that bad. It was that if I had to take him to the vet, he used to sit in the front seat. He moved to the back seat. He wanted nothing to do with me. I'm telling you, I went to the vet and I said, "Can you give him something for this?" And they said, um, we're not sure it's a dog. It might be you. Go to the bark to work. Okay. (laughs) Hit the shower. Get a shave. (laughs) Go to the bark to work. 
lose some you're weight. Just, you're just lucky he didn't leave a package on your front stoop. So when you stepped outside, you stepped right into it. You're lucky. <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. That would have been a that would have been ugly. But then you know he would have realized that I would have come inside and you would have to smell it. <laughs> so I don't think he would have he would have appreciated. I'm telling you, the dog's very smart. Um, it, it's mind-boggling to me. Um, and, you know, he was able to get his point across. And, you know, it took him about 20 times to give me my keys and leave my briefcase <laughs> at the door because he wanted me out the door. Um, but he's a, he's a funny dog. And, you know, now that um, I went back to work, um, you know, I, I, I was doing, believe it or not, vets were doing <laughs> kind of crazy to say, but vets were doing a lot of their work uh, remotely. So um, we were seeing dogs remotely, kind of like a person was seeing a, a, a dog because owners, you know, we weren't allowed. The owners are considered, you know, when the owners come in, right, they were leaving their, we weren't allowing owners into our into our clinic. So it would only be the people, uh, it would only be the pets. So we'd have to go outside, get the pets. And, you know, it was becoming a problem because the owners wanted to be there. So we had to do remote um, and take a watch, you know, on, on the video, what was going on with their pet. It was kind of interesting, actually. It was like for five minutes, you know, you can't take a dog for five minutes and and treat them because the parents want to be there. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so we were doing remote. Um, <laughs> we were doing remote sessions with that, with dogs. And yeah, well, uh, actually, believe it or not, I don't. I don't treat cats. Ah. Um, yeah, I don't treat cats. I only treat dogs, turtles, snakes, um, potbelly pigs, um, those kinds of animals. I, I, I cats scare me, <laughs> so I don't. I don't deal with cats, and and occasionally, um, I also deal with a lot of exotic animals. So occasionally I'll get a phone call from the Bronx Zoo asking me to come there and help out with an elephant. So, you know, I went to the vet school I went to was was also for exotic animals, and and my residency was at the Bronx Zoo. So I go back there every once in a while to volunteer um, because I know how to, you know, I know how to treat an elephant. As crazy as that sounds. Well, Um, I had a... But I had I a don't goat. Go near tigers. Nope. Don't go near tigers. <laughs> I had a goat at the Bronx Zoo eat a five dollar bill. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom was leading our um, our our bra- not brownie bluebirds. I was uh, remember the bluebirds, and she was leading our troop up to the Bronx Zoo, and uh, gave me five dollars to go up to the concession stand, and the goat came running up to me, <laughs> grabbed it right out of my hand, and ate the five dollar bill. Wow. <laughs> you would have had to wait about 24 to 48 hours to get it back. But, um, <laughs> Not no I'm sure you don't want it <laughs> at that point. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I know the area very well since I retired out of New York City. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so the, the Bronx Zoo, as you know, is, is the biggest zoo I've ever seen in my life. Um you get lost in there like nothing. But, yeah, they'll mm-hmm. call me occasionally to, to come there and help, and, and I happily do it because, you know, I love animals. But, um, 
you know, I've actually taken Bark to the zoo once or twice, and that was an experience. Um, mm. He's afraid of the peacock. Um, <laughs> Peacocks can be nasty. They can be very nasty. Yeah, he's afraid of the peacock, and um, he, you know, he doesn't like other animals, uh, which is not a good thing, but, you know, he's territorial like every other dog. And cats, you know, that's – I'm being honest with you, I really don't treat cats because they scare me. Oh, they shouldn't. Uh, they shouldn't. Yeah, I got clawed once. Ah. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, a cat clawed me. Oh, no. You know, yep. So now well, my, my partner sees the cats and I see the dogs and the exotic – I had I had to treat a bearded dragon last week, um, and uh, those things are really small. We had to do an X-ray on it, and you know, it's terrible. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I treat all kinds of animals except yours, cats. So. <laughs> well, there's, what in in the line of work I did, we ended up all many times uh, rescuing animals. Uh, we'd have them being caught up in barbed wire. Uh, around people's uh, places uh, or someone would leave them locked in a, in a car so we'd have to call the ESU unit to come over or call one of us would have a Slim Jim in our in our patrol car uh, so yeah we we would rescue a lot and the desk sergeants weren't always very happy with us when we brought them into the precinct because a lot of them were not well fed or whatever and when we went to get them some real food they'd poop in the middle of the <laughs> in front of the desk officer on the floor because so yeah animals are, are very very sensitive uh, to things and they sense emotions and they sense when someone's a good person and when they sense a person's bad or when their moods are good or if they're not well if they're not healthy or, or they're psychologically disturbed animals are very 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 sensitive so bark understood what his his owner was going through and bark took the situation in hand so, Bark Twain, it has oh. been a pleasure having you with us, and uh, we welcome you back uh, anytime. From one former yeah, New Yorker a, to another New Yorker. Coming out next, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I got a book coming out next year called "Shut Up, Your Kid's Not That Great." Um, <laughs> that, that comes that comes out next year. <laughs> well, then we definitely have to have you back on. That is for sure. I and I recommend, it. I recommend that everyone go out and get this book and. Hand it to your nearest couch potato <laughs> and tell them to get the bark to work. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right. Take care. God bless. All right. Check out Thank Bark you. Twain. There's a link on the show page. Just click on go to the go to the bark. The, go the bark to work. If I can say that 10 times fast, straight face. Uh, check it out over up on Amazon. We've got our next victim in on the studio here. I want to welcome to the show uh, Charles E. Davis. He's a candidate for Congress out of Florida, District 6. Good afternoon, Charles. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I am doing just ducky. There is so much going on out there. I mean, I don't even know where to start with you, but you're running in the great state of Florida. Yay, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and, uh, Absolutely. Running, yeah, for District 6, what, what area does District 6 uh, include? Yeah, so Lower St. John's County, where the beach is and the public is right there on US 1 and, one, and Highway 1. So from that way south, 
all the way. You get St. John's all the way there, and then you get all of Flagler, and then you used to get all of Volusia. With, with the new map, they shortened up the – think of it as a rectangle long way versus mm-hmm. a rectangle sideways. They've taken a rectangle long ways and turned it sideways. So they took out New Smyrna. They took out Orange, um, Port Orange and different areas like that. But what they did is they did now encumber the county of Marion, and they did come encumber the um, county of Putnam, and which uh, I have a property that I have in Putnam. I like Putnam. I like the way it is. I like everything about it. Um, I go to Ocala. I have a lot of friends over in Ocala, and we you know, go golfing at the villages. And uh, what's really amazing is I think that um, my competitor, I hope he's listening today, because if he's not, he better be sitting on his, uh, getting on his wheels because I can tell you what, there's 174,000 people out there in Marion County, and his director at the last REC meeting said, well, guys, they extended our uh, zone, and now we got Ocala Forest. Uh, buddy, you should have thought of what you said before you said that. You should have thought of how many people you had in Putnam County and how many people you have in this county of uh, Marion County. But uh, so that's that's our so those are our districts that we follow into, and then I also go down and have like a little jagged edge that goes down into Lake County, and uh, all the counties are important. Um, I've been uh, working in uh, Volusia County, and um, I've been fortunate enough uh, to win all of the votes over him at three different non-Republican executive clubs. Uh, so, technically, Charles E. Davis is endorsed and officially for Volusia County. Now, June 30th, we're going to go to a little meeting of hoorah, and we're going to see what the REC has because they have their own little establishment. I don't know if you folks are aware of that word, uh, but um, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a word, you know, where people don't do what's best for the people. They do what's there on their agenda. Well, what, what people need to understand, and we need to teach them at an earlier age, that's why I make, make education great again. It's like my number two subject. Um, the Constitution would be my first. And when I say the Constitution, no, the Constitution. Everybody just gets out there and they use the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, and I'm just like, folks, learn it all. It's what protects you. And when you're, when you're protected by that, what happens is you have to know it because it's wording. Everything there on that is wording. And people, what they don't realize is that our constitutional rights, I mean, like today we had a big hoo-ha. I mean, not today, but, you know, I mean, the Supreme Court just made a decision which they've never made when they've had issues with it 12 other times, and there should have been what they call a president setting at least 12 times and so today um i mean you know not today but you know they vote on it and so now we have roe versus way just coming back to the state is that good that that could be good because then we could control what we want to do through the 10th amendment but is it bad because what lives is it affecting if they go to another state and the rules are easier so um you know, I, I guess because I've been raised pro-life, and I thought, you know, you know, you were pregnant from the time of, you know, of inception, then I thought, you know, I don't think we should be killing any babies. So, um, 
answer that, that just answers a couple of your questions. But uh, what other questions would you like to ask me? I'd be more than glad to answer any of them. You can well, see, you, know, you, you can you can you can see I'm kind of passionate about this thing. When somebody comes yep. in here and tears up my yep. town, and mom's town lives in Pump Coast, and she can't get because they've overdeveloped it, and I did development. And I can tell you what, I don't do footprints. I do monuments. If it's not nice, I don't do it. So I can just say one thing is, is they have taken all of the local areas, believe it or not, have taken and let a lot of developers come in here. They're taking money from the developers, and those are people that are getting elected. If anybody wants to go to fec.gov, look Charles E. Davis up. I'm not funded by no special interest groups. I will not accept money. I have friends that are doctors that offer me money, and I said, I can't take your money because you're a doctor. Somebody will say I'm taking money from a doctor. So I'm basically funded with a, with a, with with also a pack that's behind us. But um, we are we we are out we are out to fight for the people of my district, my backyard, my area, everything. I mean, I deal with all these people. Mr. Waltz, 32 years, 32 weeks a year you spend in Washington D.C. The rest of the time, it's like your summer. It's like going to school and being a summer, being out during the summer. So you come down here. Where does he live? He lives in Arlington, Virginia. What does he do? He uses a address here to qualify, and then lives in Virginia. Not only that, is if you look at my opponent's money and where it comes from, you'll see a lot of special interest groups, and we can tell one thing. Michael was not bad for probably about the first six or eight months, okay? And I do give him credit for serving four years, no problem. But what I don't give him credit for is I don't give him credit for being on the Arms and Guns Committee in the Congress, which is like being part of the SEC if you know how uh, uh, stock goes public. You can't get insider information. Well, this gentleman, two weeks before we pulled out of Afghanistan, sold a company that he owned that was the defense contracting company for the for the Department of Defense. So um, there's a there's a whole lot of stuff that's uh, going to come up on Mr. Michael Waltz. And you know what happens is everybody gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar sooner or later. And I can say. Everybody's got their issues that they may have had when they're younger, but at some time we all grow up. And I can tell you one thing. When you represent the people, represent the people. If you're not going to represent the people, I mean, between you and I, I'm there to get this guy out. He's a never-Trumper. He doesn't really want Donald back in. I do want Donald back in. I do want a man that will come in there with a backbone. I do want a man that will use our military not to go start and police the war but will take the United States of America and defend it. We had that. I don't know about, you know, what you've been seeing around town, but people aren't holding their heads up anymore like they used to when Trump was in after two years. And I don't know if it was Trump or I don't know if it was his administration, but all I can say is the last administration that was in versus the administration that's in right now, I do not know how people can continue to not go to work. Anybody got an answer for that? Yeah, the government has been giving them a nice handout check. It, it, they get more money staying at home 
than they would going to work, especially with today's gas prices. So why not stay home, get the government subsidy, get the food stamp, Section 8 housing, Obama phone, you name it, and go all the way on down the line, you get more money simply sitting on your butt at home than going to work. And, oh, by the way, you have no responsibilities. Oh, my goodness, I ran into a brilliant interviewer. That's <laughs> wonderful. I love that. I love that. You got it. Why go to work when you can sit at home and play Nintendo? Exactly. And but 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 we got a, we got one other little part of that we got a fuel fuel issue too that that people have to deal with people do not realize also with that nonsense what they're doing I mean that's more that's more special interest I mean listen when Donald when forget Donald Trump let's just talk about the last administration Donald is a great guy though he was he's probably one of the best presidents we've had um, but what I will say is I will say that we're going to give. The, the one side a benefit, we're going to say it was two dollars when we know it was a dollar eighty-seven when he came out, and then mm-hmm. we're going to say with the Democrats, with the current administration that we have, we're going to say it's four dollars, but we all know it's four fifty. So we're going to go low on the Democrats, high on the Republicans. So no matter how they bash me, they can they can't bash my numbers. If they say anything, they say Charlie, your numbers are a little high. Absolutely, that way you can't bash me. Got to be careful because I'm not a politician. I'm a business guy. Um, I, I'm 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 not going to take any nonsense. I will stand up for the people. Uh, we need to do what you're talking about. You you talk about people that are going along with this. So it, it, you know they're creating socialism, right? That's what they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. This is not a democracy. So, so, this is a representative republic, a democratically elected republic. And it's based now, upon now, the rules of law, which was formed on the basis, the foundation of the Constitution. And you know where that Constitution came from? The Ten Bill of Rights. You know where the Ten Bill of Rights came? The Five Articles. And you know where the Five Articles came from? Face it or not, the Bible. We have our own free will. Read that book and read the Constitution book. The Constitution book that's really the real Constitution book is about three inches big, and you can get it at Barnes & Noble's. If I would recommend that a kid know anything before they can graduate, I would say arithmetic, reading, writing, and most of all, learn your Constitution, buddy, because I can tell you what right now, they have what they refer to as a statue. While you're at work, I'm at work, our listeners are at work, guess what they're doing? They are basically making laws in the states, in the house, wherever they're at, and they're setting, let's say, for instance, it, you get this ticket or let's say you have some kind of an issue, whatever it may be. And you have 60 days from the time that they said you're guilty, but you cannot afford the proper people. But they're going to give you a public defender. But hold on a second. Let's come back to the Constitution if we know it. Let's say, ask ourselves about our Fourth Amendment. Are we innocent until proven guilty? Yes. How are we treated when we go to court? Automatically, we are being treated as a defendant. Even if we go for a speeding ticket, you look at your names, it's all in capitals. They're treating you like it's corporate law, and we're not a corporate country. We're a common law. But people don't realize how all that works. That's years of law school and dealing with lawyers. But what I'm saying is that people have to be informed 
on the Constitution. And what she is talking about right now for all of the listeners, she is absolutely 1,000%. She blew me away when she told me what, what was going on. That is exactly what's going on. And that is exactly what is crippling our country right now. And that is exactly why we need to do something. And I'll tell you what, we got to get voter election fraud and integrity voting back. Because when I talk to people all the time, I hear people say, ah, it doesn't matter how you vote. Folks, if you don't vote, you can't complain. So vote. But before you vote, learn who you're voting for. Know your constitution and know who's going to protect you the best. This is what they don't do. This is what they keep a lot of people dumb. That's why they like that poverty level, exactly what you were talking about. They don't have to go to school. They don't have to go out and work. You know what that does? Are, are you aware of 1961 when they, when they figured out they were never going to take us over our military? So they figured they'd come after our kids' minds. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. Let's hmm. see. <laughs> I'll tell you, if not, if not, if not, let, let, I'll, I'll be more than glad to inform you. Is this the, the formation of the uh, board, uh, not the Board of Education, the, um, uh, uh, the oh, good Lord. The beginning, the beginning of CRT. It's the beginning of, it's the beginning of the CRT, critical race theory. It's the it's the beginning of take. It's the begin it's the beginning of someone coming and saying, all the why did the Americans make the black people slaves, Poppy? And now she's in the IV program. Um, there's a point. There, there's classes. I said, okay, can you take a business class? It's only worth point five points. What about uh, some kind of a computer software class? That's only worth five points. What do you have that's worth five points? Uh, African-American culture. She comes home to me two weeks later, and she says to me, Poppy, why did we create slaves? I said, honey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Easier there. This, 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 this little island called the United States was owned by the British before it was owned by us. And they're the ones where the people, the slaves were being sold to them, and then the slaves got said, can we sell them over to your other island? And then they sold them. I said, so we didn't make anybody do anything. And if you want to go back and you want to look at who enforced it, I don't mean to offend anybody, folks. But if you're a Democrat, you definitely need to do your homework because mm-hmm. you will find out, and you will find out for sure that this nonsense has been going on by the white people, the Ku Klux Klan, the deep state, and all the hoo-hahs that are sitting there behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz right now that are the puppets of this country right now trying to run it down. And they are trying to run it down. They think they are going to take us this time. They really think they're going to get us this time. I'll tell you what. We go out there and we work hard. We vote. We pay attention to what our congressman, what our legislation is doing, what our governor is doing, and what anybody that can do anything for us in life, meaning the government people, They work for us. We do not work for them. We are the only country that works from the bottom to the top. We're not fascism. We're not socialism, as she was talking about, where she was going earlier. And we definitely ain't communism. And China wants a one-world order. So, folks, 
unless you want to be controlled by China, you got to be careful because I'll tell you what, from the 22nd of March through the 27th of March, our wonderful people, cabinet people for this administration were over there and they entered the United States of America into the World Health Organization. For people that don't understand what that means, that means that the state governor's job just got five times as harder. They've got something now that can play around with our election and sidetrack us. We need to get to the polls, and we need to vote, and I'm going to tell you what. I can't tell you which way to vote, but I can say make sure you look up the person you are voting for. Make sure that what you're looking for is the same thing that they're looking for. And make sure that the one thing they say about anything is they say they're going to protect your Constitution and they're going to give you justice for all. If they protect your Constitution, it gives you 27 amendments. If you want to know where those amendments are, I broke them down on my website, charlesedavis.com. Go in there, just hit, just hit the whole thing, and I broke it down to where a seventh grader, they say average reader today is seventh grade, so we broke it down there. And basically, instead of putting on the Fourth Amendment, I just put innocent till proven guilty. The Fourth Amendment says, in order for them to do something, they would have to have a profitable, 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 profitable cause. Right. cause. Okay. Or in order to come into our house, they would have to have a warrant. Right. And in order to grab anything out of our house, they would have to have a seizure. Okay. Sist and seize. So they would have to be able to have a reason, number one. Okay, great. So, so the cops are. We don't know. I mean, you can talk. You can talk to your sheriffs. I mean, I back the LEO 100 percent. I do believe in having people that are coming for us because I can tell you one thing: if if we defund our firemen and we defund our policemen, I want everybody on this news channel to be listening. It could be your grandmother or your grandfather that life that they're saving. And you know how much you love your grandmother. Because if you love yours like I love mine, oh, my goodness gracious, she was an angel. So I know everybody loves grandma. Everybody loves grandma and everybody loves mom, no matter what. So all I can say is that that's the first responders. We need them to get their money. We need our firehouses up. And the LEO, law enforcement officers, we need their help. Those are the guys that are going to stop our grandmother and from gals. being robbed. And gals. And gal, oh, we don't even want to, yeah, we don't, yeah, I got two daughters. That's one of the reasons why I'm running for Congress also, because of this nonsense that's going on. Absolutely. So, so we have to basically, it's, it's LEOs should protect anybody and everybody. And I can tell you what, isn't it amazing how you look at the shooting that went on, and if anybody goes down deep and looks for some information, You'll see how an officer just happened to open up a door, leave it open, and walk away. And we're going to introduce a gun bill to the floor that's been sitting on the back burner for a while. You know, what they do with bills in in Congress, um, for the record, is a congressman has a chance to sponsor a bill. And what they do is they sponsor a bill, and they basically, legally, they take and look at the Constitution, and they look at what's best for the people, we the people, and then we say, we don't think you're doing this fair. We think this should change, and this should be the way the law has worked. Once we do that, then we take a vote on the floor of Congress. So that means 
Congress basically is kind of like the gate to get into the Senate to get your law passed or to do whatever you're going to do. So anybody that is in Congress, like the, my competitor, Michael Waltz, that sold a company for $24 million two weeks before they pulled out of Afghanistan, I don't know if anybody ever watches NCIS, but I think Gibbs says there's no such thing as a coincidence. Nope. And over so I can I... just I can so I can I can just say one thing is that the people here really, really, really need to start paying attention and if they don't start paying attention, you're gonna be in a different society and this young lady that's telling you that they're sending everybody checks and telling them they want to stay home. She is right. They want you to stay home, and then the next thing they're going to do is they're going to give you their little health care program where they let you die early because for those of us that don't know, uh, it wasn't the last administration. It was the administration previous to that that borrowed money from the Social Security account when we're not supposed to do that. Yeah, they all they have to do, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you – absolutely, that's exactly what they did. And, and I'll tell you what you guys can do. There's, here's another one. You – S D E B T clock live. It's the United States depth clock live. You can bring up any column in there. It'll show you how it'll show you how fast our thirty trillion dollar deficit is growing as you and I speak right now. It blow you oh, yeah. away. The numbers will blow you away. And yeah. uh, then you can move over and you check in the Social Security fund, and you can see what money's coming out of there. And here's the scoop. I hate to say it. I haven't had the jab or the vax. I didn't buy Mm -hmm. the story. I didn't buy the story. So I haven't bought the story. I haven't had COVID. I haven't had anything wrong with me. The difference between the vax, according to medicine, is that once they put it in you, it's in you for life. If the virus comes across you and your immune system that God gives us, that as strong as strong can be, because if somebody only knew how many files we could put in their brain, they wouldn't believe us. But anyways, um, so we got a strong, we got a strong, I mean, I mean, God's way of telling us we need to uh, rest is he gives us a cold, okay? Or, or, or we fall down the stairs or whatever. But I can tell you right now, we're very blessed people in this world. We also need to, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not getting weird on everybody and telling everybody they, they need to do this. But I can tell you one thing. People need to wake up and look at the Bible and just read it for a little bit. Read the Bible for a little bit. Take the Bible, read it for a little bit, and then take the Constitution and read it for a little bit. And see. You know, look at the Ten Bill of Rights. Well, what I would say, Charles, is you can start with the Bible, then go through through Plato's Republic. From Plato's Republic, go through and look at English common law, the formation under uh, King Harold where he codified it. Uh, then from there to the Magna Carta, from the Magna Carta to the uh, Mayflower Compact. And you can follow the steps that our founding fathers had which helped them to create the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And it's basic, throughout history, this republic was slowly molded through basic ideals on Judeo-Christian principles and the basic belief in the God-given rights to man. And I'm not saying Absolutely. men and women, to man meaning all of mankind. That woke language does not work here. 
So, you know, if we follow the steps, we'll understand where it came from. And when you were talking about the Constitution, I was thinking about those that were incarcerated from January 6th and ticking off the amendments in the Constitution that that long incarceration, including the candidate that was just arrested for governor up in uh, Michigan because he was out in the outside of the Capitol, never went in, but still was taken in handcuffs. Or Peter Navarro that was put in in hog chains, the Fourth Amendment of uh, improper search and seizures, the Fifth Amendment uh, where the government uh, violates their authority you know, against with legal procedures, uh, the guarantee for a speedy trial and fair trial in the Sixth Amendment. How many of these men and now women also being railroaded into plea bargaining, not even given a chance at a trial, being told no matter what, we're throwing the book at you, so you don't even have a chance. Just take the plea bargain and we'll let you walk away. Oh, wait a minute, we'll give you maybe about a year or two in jail, but you'll, you'll still walk away. Uh, the Seventh Amendment, Absolutely. the right to a jury. Uh, the Eighth Amendment, forbidden absorbent bails and fines. Five years of prosecuting all that stuff. Let me tell you what, you have got it right on the line, girl. That is and exactly the 14th what happens. I hate to say it, my goodness gracious. You, you know what? You need you need to be speaking more of this. Get more of this stuff on this show. Let me tell you right now. Because this is the truth, and you're telling the people we need to educate the people on the Constitution. You're educating them on the Constitution. Right now, what you just shared with them, half the people didn't even know. And this is the truth. They get you to go for the for, – they, they, they charge you for three or four things. By the time you get done doing your whatever with your public defender, who they get paid what? We don't know. They get paid enough to eat bologna and Taco Bell. Maybe they get paid more. I don't know. Some but of the them last are pro Pro bono, I'm gonna I'm, I'm, I'm say pro bono. I'm gonna say pro bono is a person that cares about people. Then I'm gonna say pro bono. Pro bono just means that they get paid if you get paid, or they don't get paid and they're doing it for free. So mm-hmm. pro bono is uh, I would say is good, but I would say one thing is I would say you are correct about what when you said these people are going into court and they're getting this trial and they're being tried and next thing you know they're shifting and they're changing into the deal which people don't understand what the deal is. So let's just say, for instance, that you were speeding, driving fast, and swerving back and forth. So so they write you for speeding. They write you for reckless driving. They write you for endangerment. They write you for this. By the time they get all done with it, they go, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a deal. You just take the speeding, and it'll all go away. Well, here's what happens when you take the speeding, and it all goes away. It doesn't go away because it stays on your record for three years. And then guess who makes money? The wonderful insurance companies, and guess what they are? More special interest money. This lady has got it on the ball, and she is absolutely correct about that nonsense going on. Exactly. That, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this, is, not a, this is not a hard show. I'm used to getting on, on shows, and they can't speak about the Constitution. God bless us. Thank you, Lord, <laughs> for this. I know it sounds crazy, but I just say it the way it is. Like I said, I ain't a politician. I will tell you the way it is, but I'll tell you what. I will never I, – I have made an oath that I will never, ever violate anybody's constitution ever, number one. And number two, if we go to war and I was a congressman and I voted, I'll go to the front line. And what I think – I think somebody ought to put a bill just to shake those son of a guns up and say, what time is it up there, guys? 
okay, if you all vote for war, guess what we're doing? We're all going to sit on the front line. Uh-oh. I don't think Nancy would be in too favor of that nonsense anymore. All those bills that were being signed going through the Senate, whoops, those might not be signed. Oh, by the way, the Congress has to take the vax now? Does anybody know Congress, the Senate, the President does not have to take the jab? They're exempt. They can walk all over New York that they want to. But guess what? They got to have a little card. They want to go in here. They want to go in there. They want to go in here. They want to go in there because of their governor. But here, like he says, and wonderful. Yes, sir. Charles. Yes, sir. Let's put you in. Let's put you in Congress right now. Do you have any intentions mm-hmm. of joining the Freedom Caucus and standing up to the leadership on our side? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have, I had, I have, let me tell you what, I have no problem with standing for everybody. And that, and that, I mean, if, if you are a U.S. citizen, and I don't mean to seem, seem bad about immigrants, because I'm all for immigrants, because we're all immigrants here at one time, but I'm willing to fight for anything that the pipe, that the people are given in the Constitution, regardless of the establishment. Regard, let me tell you what. One guy asked that. One guy asked me. He said, "Boy, if you had to run again, would you run again?" I said, "If I had to do it again, I wish I could have went to war." I said, "Because that way I could shoot at some people that are always shooting at me." So I'm <laughs> going to be shot at. I don't plan on getting reelected. If they reelect me, they're going to reelect me because I did the job. But I can tell you, I'm doing it for two years. I'm doing it for two more years with Trump. And then I'm done. I gotta go, folks. I, I was I was fine. I was doing just wonderful in life. And uh, you know, you violated my constitution. You did my integrity fraud, and then you pull your knife. You know, if Joe would have just charged us thirty nine cents and went on vacation, thirty nine percent tax and went on vacation, we'd be fine. But am I willing to fight that? Absolutely, Curtis. I'm willing. I am willing. Listen, there's nothing I'm not willing to do. When you put your name out there. Charles E. Davis.com, and you've worked as a developer all your life to where, or a financial investor to where you don't want your name out there, you don't want your kids kidnapped, you don't want all this nonsense going on. I can tell you what, this is the first time I've ever done it. Do you know how disappointed I am? I'm so disappointed that I went from passionate to obsessed. So I am determined to get to the Congress, and I am determined to represent the people, and I am determined to put a daggum bill on the floor for anybody that comes and talks to me. Curtis, you know you got my phone. People call me from Volusia, and they say, uh, yeah, I'm calling for Charles Davis. I said, this is Charles Davis. No, 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 Charles Davis, the guy's running for Congress. This is Charles Davis, the guy running for Congress. Well, Chuck uh, Carson, no, you call me. Tell me what's going on. They tell me what's going on. The guy wants to give me more petitions because they're not happy with the fact that Waltz wouldn't stand up to a vote and he vote and, and vote no, he voted yes. So he voted yes that you could draft daughters. And I'm not saying that women can't go in the military because I got two daughters. And if one wants to go in the military, God bless her, and I'm going to pray for her. And go do whatever you want to do. Get a training out of it. But I would say to people that are not in the military, I don't think that you should be – I don't think that girls should be on the draft list. Maybe I'm that way because I'm a dad. Okay, maybe I'm that way because of dad and I got five more nieces. But I don't think women, and I'm not saying that they can't fight, but I think ladies are ladies and gentlemen are gentlemen, and gentlemen need to fight the fight. The ladies take care of the kids. That's a job in itself. 
Yeah, it what is. Other, it other? is. I just, I just want to let my uh, co-host know, Curtis, uh, check your email because uh, I just sent you the, the our next guest phone number. I apologize for interrupting, but uh, it, right now I, I don't think there should be any draft legislation. Period, because we're not in a in a well, we might be in a situation soon where we, we may be going to war if, if we keep on going down this road that Biden's leading us because we've got uh, uh, Russia threatening us on one side. We've got China threatening us on the other side. We have how many unknowns coming across our border and how many uh, terrorists are being smuggled across tells we have no idea. So we have the they're, potential they're for some major, major disruptions here. And Lord knows what's going to happen exploding in the Middle East with China now having access to all the precious uh, rare earth minerals uh, and Afghanistan and, of course, the rest of the Middle East, because that's the stepping stone all the way across. Uh, it's, there is so much that is going on on the world stage with this administration. And, and we have a president that goes and speaks in front of the press and has to have a cue card saying, who to talk to and what to say and when, when to get up and when to leave. You walk in, you sit down, the press walks in, you stand up, you speak, you ask this one question, you sit, you turn around and you walk out. He has to have a cue card to tell him what to do. And he's got his finger on the button. You know, we may end up having to have a draft the more I think about it. Well, you know what is what you just touched on about what's, what's going on with that, with, with, the, with the military, um, I think that the, the fake news, it's making it look worse than it really is. I, I, in other words, I don't agree with giving them $40 billion. I would have not signed that. Walt signed that, that document. I would have not signed $40 billion to them. I got people that are homeless in my own district. I'm gonna, I'm, I, send us $3 million or $4 million down here, and then send the rest to other states. But let's take care of our border first. Let's clean up our border first. Let's clean up our yards first. It all starts behind the front door. It all starts behind the front door. And then after the front door, it starts from there. So, I mean, you know, we have people that are homeless because of the rates and because of what's going on, but nobody's paying attention to them. Hey, they're important people, too. They are important people. Not only that, some of them are veterans. So they're all important people. So, so, so I, I, no, I, I mean, it's, it's, Mm, mm, mm. Well, you said Charles, you are very it, well educated. Good thank Lord, you, Charles. I'd love to get on there any time and talk with you. You are wonderful. Oh, thank you very guy, much. And I'm, well, I'm glad he set this up. I, well, I've got Go my ahead, next y'all. victim. I got my next victim up in the studios, but you're welcome to join us again. I do have a link to your website, CharlesEDavis.com, on the show page, so that when people listen to the show later on down the road, they can click on it and help you with your campaign. God bless you for the hard work you right. do, sir, and good luck. God bless All you right. too, doll. Thank you very much. All Thank right. you, Curtis. Bye-bye. All right, Charles Lee Davis, check it out, charlesleedavis.com. And we have one of our favorite people from the Heritage Foundation, Sarah Parshall Perry, and she is a senior legal fellow at the Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at Heritage. Sarah, boy, have you walked into this this today. I mean, it has been nonstop with SCOTUS, and they are they're finally getting it right, aren't they? At, at just for, I'm surprised. Yeah, this has been a great couple of days. We saw a good outcome in New York Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, upholding the Second Amendment constitutional right to keep and bear arms and finding that New York's restriction on concealed carry permits 
required too much for the exercise of a constitutional right. Then we saw the Supreme Court uphold a tuition assistance program in the state of Maine and strike down Maine's requirement that the schools could not be religious in order to use tuition assistance, upholding the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. And then just today, the Supreme Court has finally admitted its longstanding error in Roe versus Wade and overturned a decision that essentially plucked a right to abortion out of thin air, returning the Constitution to a position of neutral back where it always has been on the addition of abortion. So it's, it's really been a great couple of days at the high court. Uh, you missed one. You missed one. Ah, I got you. I got you, Sarah. Burger versus Knapp, the NAACP, uh, dealing with voter ID in North Carolina. They said, yes, what's wrong with having opinion. a voter ID? Everyone has an ID. What's the problem here? <laughs> Right. That's exactly it. You know, this is this seems, I think, to some liberals to be um, too right leaning of a court. And what I would say is that this particular court are constitutional constructionists. They are originalists. They are faithful to the text the structure and the history surrounding the Constitution. They interpret the laws as the laws come to them. They don't read into the laws anything that they would like to see. And these couple opinions that we've seen the past few days are precisely that. We have seven more opinions to go. It's still going to be a very busy next week for us. In fact, we've just been told that opinions will issue again on Monday, and we're still waiting for a couple of big ones, uh, including the Coach Kennedy case, the case, case of the praying coach. Can he, in free exercise and free speech, practice kneel quietly by himself at the 50-yard line after a high school football game where he is employed as a school employee? And we're still waiting also on West Virginia versus EPA, which is going to give us a sense of the parameters of the power of the federal government, because under this administration, it really is very much like a runaway train. Yeah, well, I think the uh, the, the case... Um with the main school, that may also uh, have a huge influence, I think, on Coach Kennedy's case. Uh, From what I was reading by what you wrote, dealing with that and how they broke it down, I'm, and they're actually using a lot of other cases as the foundation and basis for what they did here in the main case. Uh, I see Kennedy case being, hey, it's his religious freedom. He's doing nothing wrong. Yes, and in fact, we've got a couple of really solid precedent from the Supreme Court on how much uh, free speech can be practiced by an individual who is employed by a school. But the Supreme Court has made very clear in cases like West Virginia versus Barnett that an individual, a teacher, or a student does not relinquish their First Amendment rights at the schoolhouse gate. I am excited to see essentially where this is going to lead. I will tell you, the conservative block of justices have already indicated that they, when they saw this initially during a petition for cert or a petition for review that was sent back down to the Ninth Circuit based on sort of some procedural hurdles that still hadn't been jumped, they said we have a real problem with how the Ninth Circuit is 
interpreting and applying the First Amendment. And so this might justify our review in the future. Well, that review is now. And in the next couple of days, we're finally going to get an answer on exactly whether or not this particular coach was truly and appropriately exercising his First Amendment rights to free speech and free exercise. Yeah, it's, it's, that's like that's a huge hallelujah. I mean, how many times do we hear about students being punished because they go into the lunchroom and they pray over their lunch or they bring a Bible or they're wearing a religious symbol? Uh, they get punished because it's supposed to be separation of church and state. Wait a minute. Where did free, free speech go? I had a member of my tea party at one point. She was in court. Some of them were claiming she trespassed somewhere where she really didn't. And the judge turned around and threw the case out. And she goes, oh, thank God, because she was relieved. And also she's reprimanded by the very same judge because she invoked the name of God in his courtroom. This is going too far. Yeah, it's it's gone very far. And I think whenever you are in a government setting, the government will, at least in this administration, and as we sort of culturally move left of center, will find a way to claim that this is a violation of the Establishment Clause. But the founders never intended that the Establishment Clause was to be bigger or more important than the Free Exercise Clause. In fact, it was designed to keep government out of the lives of individual Americans and practicing their faith, not vice versa. So we've seen, again, we saw in Carson v. Macon, there was an Establishment Clause argument. We've seen in Coach Kennedy's case from the school district an Establishment Clause argument. So the two are very similar in that respect. But I'm hopeful, based on the outcome in Carson, that we'll see something similarly good in the Kennedy case. You know, what I find very ironic, and I'm going to date myself, so forgive me that I'm actually dating myself. I remember when John Kennedy was running, the argument there was that, well, he's Roman Catholic, So if he becomes president, then the person who has superior power over him is the pope. So in effect, you're electing the pope. Well, the Democrats countered that, saying, wait a minute, there's one thing to practice your faith and there's another thing to do your job. And now it seems to be turned the other way around. Now they're, they're using that argument against us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think is just an increase in general hostility overall toward conservative orthodoxy and conservative traditional religious orthodoxy in particular, because so many of those hot button issues butt up against our understanding of sort of what the Constitution allows. You know, we, we as conservatives, hold fast to what the Constitution means, being exactly what's written down. And for many conservatives, many Christians, it's the exact same philosophy. We take the words in front of us as literal truth. We abide by them. And I think as the culture sort of churns leftward, we're going to see more of an impact, more of a culture clash between sort of religion and popular culture. So we have to be sort of prepared for that kind of a battle. You notice how it's always where they use the, uh, they bludgeon us if it's Christian or Jewish, but they never do that if it happens to be Muslim. For some reason, then you're is Islamophobe, uh, but yet we can go after you, Judeo-Christian believers. I, I always find that very ironic. 
Yes, I, I do indeed. I think, again, there is sort of a leftward lean generally in not just culture, but in theology. I think also based on some sort of geopolitical maneuvering, um, it's impossible to criticize the perspectives of Islam or the fact that Islam is closely associated with sort of a political and managerial style as opposed to just a theological belief system. Um, but there are more liberally aligned interests politically, uh, culturally, socially with Islam than there are, for example, with Christianity. And I think that is part of the dialogue that we're kind of seeing come to fruition here. There is a great deal of hypocrisy coming from the left. Yeah, because for Islam, their religion is their government. Where in Christianity, government can exist alongside the faith and work hand in hand or work separately. That's the main difference. And people don't understand that, which makes it the reason why the left doesn't want us to see what's going on behind the curtain. But, you know, I want to go into uh, this ruling about uh, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is 50 years in the making, thank God. Uh, But now I just forgot what my train of thought was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, the 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 uh, was it that uh, group of nuns? Was it the uh, sisters of the little flower or something like that? Do you see that being influenced by this current ruling? No, I don't. Other than to say, um, you know, we're going to see the federal government ramp up its attempts to make sure that they can secure abortion as a federalized right again. So if abortion doesn't exist within the Constitution as a constitutional right. The federal government, the Democrats in Congress are going to do everything they can to pass a bill that concretizes the right, whether it's found in the Constitution or not. And to that extent, if they are successful, we are going to see medical practitioners, individuals who are participating in insurance programs, conservatives who have moral objections to providing, for example, either contraception or providing uh, abortion services, they will be impacted if those efforts are successful. As of right now, they're going to be essentially doing battle in the states. We know that about half of the states uh, have either severe restrictions in place for abortion itself, or they have what are known as trigger laws, which have just gone into effect today. They were conditioned mm-hmm. upon the overturning of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So it's a good day for individuals like the Little Sisters of the Poor. It's a good day for individuals like organizations like Hobby Lobby, who themselves did not want to participate in insurance premiums or insurance protocols that paid for abortion services. Those restrictions have been relaxed a little bit. They can breathe easier. But again, now we have to take this particular battle to the state houses and we have to allow the system of representatives government to work these issues out at that level well my state of south carolina is one of those that had the trigger law so there's a lot of people breathing a sigh of relief today of course the state of south carolina (laughs) so yeah a lot of i don't know how many states was it 13 that had trigger laws i believe uh that now go into effect today yeah so now again coming back to the little sisters how does that carson case then the one that the school case up in Maine affect them because they split it between um, you're practicing of your religion in, in a religious institution uh, compared to uh, a non-sectarian. Um, so they're a religious institution. So wouldn't right. Carson influence that ruling then? 
Well, because Carson B. Macon goes to the use of government funds toward a uh, program that is generally available, and that's really the key here, is generally available public benefits that have been um, discriminatory toward religion. In other words, you've made it available to all families so long as they don't use that tuition assistance program at a private religious school. You're actually discriminating against um, those religious interests. The, the Constitution absolutely believes that to be impermissible. And so that's a significant uh, determination. As far as the Little Sisters are concerned, what we're looking at is a religious organization who is themselves making sure that they don't have to participate in a program that violates their religious beliefs. So on the one hand, you don't want to cut out religious organizations from participating in a public benefit. And on the other hand, you don't want to compel religious organizations to participate in something that would violate their religious beliefs. In multiple cases, the Supreme Court has made clear that that First Amendment freedom is not to be taken lightly and that an individual cannot be discriminated against either by being forced to participate or being cut out of a program that dictates sort of where they are from a moral and religious perspective. All right. Well, now I'm going to throw another curveball at you uh, because you wrote about Bostick versus Clayton County and Title uh, Seven over the, of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Now, how does religion now play into this, and how does it affect everything now that we've just been talking about? Well, Bostick um, left open the question of how religion interacts with. Uh, sexual orientation and gender identity rights. And a case that actually uh, is coming out of the Fifth Circuit at present, EEOC uh, versus uh, Bible Church, is really a case that I think is going to sort of put a fine point on this. It's the first case of its kind to consider whether religious employers have a right of exemption from Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and if they don't have it under Title VII, if they have a religious exemption under RIFRA. In both cases, if they don't want to have to hire people who have a sexual orientation or a gender identity that conflicts with their religious beliefs, then this particular decision sets up that calculus. The trial court judge, uh, Judge Reed O'Connor, who is, uh, I believe, coming out of the Northern District of Texas, issued a tremendous opinion saying that there are religious exemptions both ways. If they can't get it under Title VII, if they don't qualify for that religious exemption in Title VII, then they will uh, qualify for the religious exemption under RIFRA, which is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. He reinforced what Justice Gorsuch left open in Bostock, basically saying, listen, RIFRA and religious liberty – come above whatever statutory requirement there is for non-discrimination in um, hiring and firing. So that religious right is not to be taken lightly. Mm. Now I think about the poor baker that lost his case and how that might have fit into the whole thing here. You know, it, it puts a whole nother twist on it. But there's, it's going to be a long haul and a long way to go. Uh, but one of the other things that's really big and in the forefront right now is Title IX. Now, I, I was going to school when they finally instituted that. It was the greatest thing for us girls because we didn't have access to a lot of the sports and things that the guys had. You know, they, you were told, oh, you can play softball and volleyball. 
well, why can't we do archery? Why can't we do track? Why can't we do a lot of these other things the guys are doing too? Just make it for right. girls. And we right. had a long haul and a long fight, and we succeeded in 72 when we were able to have these things given to us. And now they're being yanked out from underneath us by the transgender uh, segment of our society. Um, right. This, this individual, Leah Thomas calls himself, parading around the locker room, and these women are forced to observe him in his full, full male form. He's dating women. So and he claims to be a female that is being abused, and all the, the things that we fought for are being ripped out of our hands. Right. So I have to say, I do think that it's we're we're seeing sort of um this new woke sexual orthodoxy taking over a little bit in many respects, and what the new Title IX rule proposes to do is to extend the definition of sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity in any educational program that is a recipient of so much as a dollar of federal funding and therefore subject to Title IX. Now, that's no small thing because what that does is open up every program separated by sex, whether in single-sex admissions, bathrooms, locker rooms, hotel rooms, or dorm rooms, to an individual simply based on their gender identity. Now, they have said that they would not include sports and would pursue separate rulemaking on sports. But if you read the opinion closely, and there are 701 pages of this new regulation, buried within that regulation is language that this will also include conduct on athletic fields and on athletic teams. So by expanding the definition of sex and including athletic teams and athletic fields, you can automatically determine that their promise to do separate rulemaking on Title IX is really not a promise at all. Wow. Wow. And we already know that there have been assaults uh, by these transgenders against women and girls, and yet they don't see the problem in which they're doing. So wait a minute, if you've got a transgender, why don't you just put a whole new section saying transgenders can play basketball or soccer or swim and leave girls as girls and boys and boys. But wait a minute, I'm sorry, I'm politically incorrect, aren't I? Right, that's exactly it. Again, that goes back to sort of what the new woke sexual orthodoxy is, and we're ultimately looking at a breakdown of the fundamentals of human identity. If we actually let this Title IX rule stand, and at this stage, it is a proposed rule and nothing more. That is good news, obviously. Um, I do think that what we're going to see is a blowback so significant that there are ultimately going to be significant responses in the comment portal, when a federal agency makes a rule, they open up to public comment, an opportunity to be able to just say, listen, here are our problems with the rule. And that federal agency, here the Department of Education, has to take into account every comment that is submitted through the portal. They are duty-bound by federal law to consider those comments. We are hopeful that when those comments begin to flood in, and they've said it will open the comment portal in about two weeks, that ultimately we basically flood the zone and we get some sand thrown in the regulatory gears and we can stop this process before it's finalized. Oh, I, I'm glad you told me that because now that means I can blast it out to a bunch of uh, organizations and say, hey, listen, it's time to uh, call the battle. 
It's, we're, we're going to war here. Let's, let's hit the lines. Let's hit the phone. Let's hit the emails. Let's do whatever we got to do and make our comments out there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a war, basically. It's a war for, for our children. Uh, you've got this one yeah, uh, medical facility, I believe, opened in California, uh, the Honor Clinic or whatever they call it, uh, where they allow kids to come in there without their parents knowing, and they can have a separate medical record that the parents don't even know about. When are we right. going to defend a parent's right to raise their child and care for the child emotionally and, med- and medically and, and not have interference by the outside telling them how to do that? Yeah, you're exactly right. I think this goes back in many respects to parental rights, to parental influence. So much of society's questions, and particularly as we're seeing them play out in the courts, go back to parental authority, what parents should and can be doing. Uh, not only is recognized by the Supreme Court as a, an enumerated, powerful, uh, important, longstanding right stemming from the Constitution to raise your children, as you see said, but also that the educational choices parents make are more important than those choices that the schools make and that school districts and school boards make. Parents are the ultimate authority in their children's lives, and that's something we need to remember. Well, that Carson case was a good, you know, example of that one because the parents chose how to have their child educated and government was saying, well, no, there's federal funds going here, so no, you can't have that happen. And I'm glad that they were able to prevail because this is hope for school choice across the entire nation and not one ruling. You're absolutely right. And I'm hopeful that the next seven decisions that we see are also sort of a similar upholding of the rule of law and their commitment to the Constitution as the foundation for all of our other laws. If we interpret that incorrectly, it is that much easier for the nation to pass and interpret laws poorly. And I think the Supreme Court has finally dropped the line. Well, outside of Kennedy, what are the other cases that we could expect something on? Well, we're still waiting on West Virginia versus EPA. That's a big regulatory case that we're watching as well, and that's significant because it will sort of pin the ears back on the EPA and uh, remind the federal government that the federal government cannot, we hope, unilaterally make cost impositions on corporations, companies across the country that create carbon emissions in advance of a climate change agenda. The statute under which the EPA is organized, under which it gleans its authority, does not envision its power to tax uh, Americans and American corporations that way. And because the Biden administration expands, um, it has expanded the regulatory state so significantly, we're hopeful that this is one that really limits the power of the federal government to what the statute intended. Wow. Well, we have a lot to look forward to. People can find you at heritage.org. You've got excellent articles and everything up there, and you do a lot of hard work at the Edmund Meese III for legal and judicial studies. Sarah, it's always fun to have you on here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. God bless. All right, Sarah, uh, check her out over at uh, heritage.org. And we've got our, our, our final victim of the day. It can be the one the only, the most magnificent Mark Tapscott of the Epoch Times, or as I say, Epic Times. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you today? Well, hello, Ann. How are, how are you guys? <laughs> oh, we're having a great time today. I mean, what's coming out of the Supreme Court has got a lot of us with big, huge smiles on our face. It has been oh, one ruling after another that has just been, oh, my God, out of the world, out of this world, hitting it out of the ballpark. 
I, I cannot I cannot remember a week of decisions from the Supreme Court in my lifetime that have been so significant. I mean, this this has been a great week for constitutional jurisprudence. Yeah, uh, one of the things uh, that uh, you wrote about in the in the Times uh, was about school choice. <laughs> And this is one of the rulings that came out with the Carson case out of Maine that said, hey, you have religious freedom and you have the right to choose what school your child can go to. Uh, this is wonderful. This is a great thing. I, that's, it is a landmark decision because what the Supreme Court said was um, the state cannot uh, make a decision about where tax dollars go based on the religious views of the recipient of those funds. That's a big, big deal because it has application in all kinds of ways, not just in the area of um, education and school vouchers. Uh, What happened in Maine was the state of Maine has a voucher program for uh, parents who find that the public schools in their area don't particularly serve their children's needs, and a number of, of parents in the main area, in the main state of Maine, were trying to take their kids to religious, faith-based schools that they felt would serve their kids better. And the state's education bureaucrats said, no, you can't do that because those are faith-based and we can't do that. The Supreme Court says, yes, you can, and in fact, you have to because of the First Amendment, which says, uh, and which protects the um, right of religious freedom, expression, and practice. Well, now you write about you write about the restoring hope for mental health and well-being act of 2022 HR 7666. Uh, how does this tie in? Well, that's that's one of the really um, unusual situations in the present Congress because um, it was a bipartisan bill passed by, I believe the final vote was 402 to 20, something like that. Uh, Virtually every Democrat and every Republican in the House agreed uh, that uh, you have to respect religious freedom, religious conscience, freedom of choice uh, when it comes to charitable contributions um, and the government funds being used to uh, support the provision of a social service by a faith-based institution. Uh, You may may recall from uh, when President George W. Bush first became president, there was a lot of talk about so-called compassionate conservatism, and and what that was was allowing uh, faith-based groups to provide social services uh, or to participate in by competing for federal grants to provide uh, social services of a wide variety of kinds. And liberals ever since then have tried to uh, prevent that from happening. Um, The House, uh, the Democratic House of all places, um, passed the legislation, and I think the prospects that it will pass the Senate are pretty good, that includes a provision that protects charitable choice. Now, they've, they've done the exact opposite in some other areas, so the issue is far from resolved. 
but this particular bill comes out of the House Energy and Commerce Committee and it affects mental health uh, block grants. And that's a huge area and I think probably sets a pretty good precedent. Well, Mark. there's a lot going on. Uh, go ahead, Curtis. Yeah. Hi, Back Curtis. To How you doing? Hey. All right. Well, dealing with some allergy issues, but I'll be all <laughs> <Me> right. <too. laughs> but going back to Roe v. Wade, I can remember about 16, 18 years ago, there were conservative pundits and talk radio show hosts that said we could never win the White House or Congress as long as we kept Roe v. Wade on our platform. My, has that changed? Well, I, I tell you, you, you are absolutely right, Curtis. Um, and now that you mention it, I haven't heard any of those same folks talking today. Um, <laughs> it'd be very interesting to see what uh, see what their reactions are to, to today's decision. That was a reflection, I think, of the fear that you find among some um, establishment-type Republicans, establishment-type conservatives, uh, who fear being criticized by the New York Times or the Washington Post or um, folks in that sector of our public debate. And they're usually wrong, you know. And the American people respect people who stand up for their principles. And that's what I think in a very great way made Donald Trump so uh, popular in 2016. Well, you know, right now you've got the uh, the pro-lifers out there doing their, their celebration protests, but there have been circulations uh, from certain websites about an explosion of counter-protests by the pro-choice. Uh, are you hearing any rumblings of any potential violence occurring with these nighttime protests that are being planned? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I hate to say it, but um, I, I will not be surprised if we have a very difficult weekend uh, of protests, perhaps even destructive, uh, in the immediate vicinity of the Supreme Court. And I say that um, the Four Hill AIDS only apologetics Bible study that I lead on Mondays at noon uh, is in a a townhouse that is literally right across the street from the Supreme Court building itself, wow. and they've had to, they've had they've had to um, bring in an armed guard because they have a, a stone uh, memorial with the Ten Commandments on it, and you know that's that's a that's like putting a target right on your forehead and saying hit me. Yeah. Um, and the protesters have been all over the place. Now, even the U.S. Marshals uh, have warned people in the immediate neighborhood, um, you might want to think about leaving town for a few days. Well, my prayer is going to be with you, hoping that you stay safe out there. <laughs> Can't have anything happen to you, that's for sure. <laughs> wow. um, well, listen, uh, Liz Cheney's been all over the news, and... Uh, <laughs> She's not doing too well in her race. So she uh, she sent out a, a message on her website about how people can change their political party for the elections going on in uh, Wyoming, uh, even so much as uh, there were individuals 
who are Democrats that receive the forms for them to register to become a Republican by mail 14 days in advance. Do you think Liz Cheney's really getting a little bit too desperate here? Well, you know, frankly, I'm surprised that uh, we haven't seen things like that from her campaign um, weeks ago because the polls that I've seen show and have shown for quite a long time that, you know, she's, <clears throat> excuse me, she is in <clears throat> deep, deep political trouble. Uh, and uh, it frankly will be amazing if she manages to somehow pull off a win. I just don't see it happening. So it's not surprising that she would be, you know, reaching out to Democrats, hey, listen, come on over here, change parties long enough to vote for me. Uh, I don't think it'll work, but it doesn't surprise me that she's doing it. No, it doesn't. And I saw a clip of Harriet Hagman at the Trump rally, and, man, she she blew my mind. And how far ahead is she in the polls, do you know? I think the last poll I saw reported was like 26 points. And, Whoa. Uh, you know, with a, and it was a small sample size, so it had a fairly large margin of error, four and a half, five percentage points. But even that, you know, she still wins by 21 points. So, and nobody be, should be surprised. I mean, we're talking about Wyoming. We're not talking about New York or California. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. Well, I don't think people in Wyoming would take too kindly to outsiders interfering in their in their elections. But uh, we've only got uh, just not too much left on the show. I can't believe we're, the whole thing has just blown past. Um, Biden is threatening this uh, gas tax holiday. <laughs> and his puppet master, Obama, not uh, Obozo, I mean Obama, um, had already said it's a gimmick uh, in one of his speeches when he was president. And now this is what Obama, oh, oh boy, I can't even get the two of them separated. Biden is coming up with just before the November elections. Now, this is a move of desperation, isn't it? It's to buy b- votes. It, it, it does nothing for us. I, you know, Anne, I, I think you're giving it more dignity than it deserves. Um, I, I mean, what's it going to do? It's going to save each one of us about, what, 18 cents um, per fill-up? I mean, that's – it's nothing. It's, 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 it's the kind of thing that – the kind of decision that somebody makes when either they don't care what you think about what they're doing – or they have no concept of what's really going on in the real world. And I think either one of those is equally possible with, with um, President Biden. Well, I, Chris, I just want to finish breaking this one down. Hang on just a second. Because if you're talking about the, the 18 cents in the gas tax, that means that yeah, the infrastructure projects for roads, bridges, and tunnels I just pushed the side. There's no money going into that. On top of which, he's now going to call for all of the states to go on a gas tax holiday also. So all those individual yep. states, their roads, bridges, and other infrastructure projects will not get funded for those three months. Now, here in the state of South Carolina, our roads are not that great. We need that money. 
So this is all smoke and mirrors in order to garner some political favor, but it's going to be a huge backfire. What is the the, uh, voter going to get? Maybe $30, $45, maybe back a month? That's that's generously thinking? And And that's very generously thinking, very generously thinking. I mean, think about it. A $5 a gallon average... You take 18 cents from that. That's you're still paying four dollars and 82 cents a gallon, and it was a buck 79 when Trump went out of office. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's like you said. I mean, it's it's just it's ridiculous. It is not only that right. when these roads and other infrastructures are not maintained, the damage right. and cost to the vehicles will be phenomenal. I'm sorry, uh, you just. Uh, Busted your hubcap, you bent your axle. Oh, wait a minute, you just went over the bridge. Uh, that was your 18 cents gas tax. Oh, listen, the- and 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 let me let me reassure you, I am sure that the president and his advisors have already thought of that, and they are going to come back with some kind of a uh, tax credit to help pay for all of those repairs that we're all going to have to have to our vehicles. Oh, so they give us 18 cents a gallon back on one hand, but they're going to find some way to tax us on the other hand to pay for the very things that yep. would have been paid for with the 18 cents. As Ronald Reagan said, President Ronald Reagan, may he rest in peace, the left hand of government often does not know what the far left hand of government is doing. <laughs> well, now that I cut Curtis off enough, go ahead, Curtis. <laughs> Oh, I just wanted to ask, what is your take on Justice Roberts not going with the majority in Roe v. Wade? I'm not, not surprised, not surprised. What surprised me was that he went along with the decision. Um, what he wanted to do was the minimum possible approach, uh, just upholding the, uh, the Mississippi law without – taking the obvious next step that the reason you can uphold the law in Mississippi is because Roe and Casey were decided um, contrary to the Constitution. But, you know, that's fine. It's a 6-3 decision, and praise the Lord that uh, we got it. Well, now, here I'm going to get your blood boiling. I always love to do that to you. You know that. Yes, Uh, yes, you do. (laughs) Well, Biden is seeking $500 million in earmarks for something called Pandemic Preparedness Group. Okay. What is that? Who gets that? And what's the real agenda here? Well, this is another one of those, you know. (laughs) There we go. I hear your blood boiling. (laughs) It's 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 it really is because it's a perfect illustration of how people, um, and and this doesn't just happen among Democrats. You also find it among Republicans in this town. People come to Washington uh, to do well by doing good, quote unquote, doing good. And in this particular case, you have some folks who. Uh, were in the Obama administration. They helped set up, while they were in the Obama administration, a non-government organization, an NGO, that would deal with pandemic preparedness. They then went 
after they left the Obama administration, they went and worked for that NGO that they helped set up uh, and were paid very nice salaries and expense accounts for doing so. And then when the Biden administration comes in, they go back into the Biden administration in positions where they can make decisions to direct millions of dollars of tax dollars to the NGO that they helped start, that they worked with for four years, that no doubt they will go back to after they leave the Biden administration. It's, it's a classic illustration of using government to feather your own nest. And you won't read about it in the New York Times or the Washington Post. You can only read about it in the Epoch Times. Well, I'm always I, – I don't even know why I'm surprised because every time you turn around and you find something like this going on, uh, including investments into the NIH and the Wuhan lab, Bill and Melinda Gates. Why That, that, yeah. that doesn't surprise me anymore. The World Economic Forum. And now you have this former counsel at the U.S. Department of um, Health and Human Services, Dawn O'Connell. Right. She's got her thumb in everything, and she's making money hand over fist, courtesy of the taxpayer. And we've got, what is it, four House Republicans are starting to ask some questions finally? Well, you know, I have to I have to say in defense of of House Republicans, they miss a lot, but there is so much out there that needs to be challenged. I mean, my gosh, you can't keep up with it all the time. Um, yeah, there there are some Republicans in the House that are saying, "Now wait a minute, um, why are we why are we letting this happen without any questions about the propriety of it?" Um, and I think what, what they're doing, the four Republicans are um, Congressman Rodney Davis from Illinois. He's going to be the chairman of the House Administration Committee uh, in 2023. Uh, Jason Smith, who is probably going to be the Budget Committee chairman. Glenn Thompson and Kathy McMorris, who are on the uh, House Energy and Commerce Committee, and one of them probably will be the, the chairman of it in 23. They're probably setting up an oversight investigation that uh, will dig into this. I guarantee you when they do, they will find other examples very much like this because they're all over the place. I mean, it's it's the classic Washington story. Um, you get elected to Congress, you serve a few terms, you, you either decide to retire or you're defeated for some reason, uh, or you just decide not to run for re-election, and you then become a lobbyist because you know everybody. You've got access to them, and you get paid for having access and who you know. You it's, know, it's the essence of corruption. We bar uh, members of Congress and the Senate from becoming lobbyists for X amount of time. Why don't we do for that for, which I think is a, a very too short a time. They should be barred for life, honestly, my opinion. But we allow government employees like this, Dawn O'Connell, to have free reign. Now, it's the swamp feeding the swamp. Well, that's exactly what it is, Ann. Um, and, you know, I've gone back and forth in my own mind about should we ban uh, former congressmen, for example, for uh, becoming lobbyists. But, but then when you do that, you're making an exception to freedom of speech. First Amendment guarantees the right to petition the government uh, and when you make one exception, then you're setting a precedent that opens the door for others. 
And we know when government starts making exceptions, those exceptions sooner or later start favoring those who are in government, and you end up not solving the problem. So it's it's a challenge, but but the first step towards fixing it is recognizing that it's a problem. And one of the things that has my career in journalism, I've put a lot of focus throughout the time that I've been a journalist on reporting stories like this because the American people have a right to know. Here's what they're doing with your tax dollars. Well, you know, there's so much that's going on that's starting to break, for example, like this instance here. But also it's heating up with the NIH. Uh, You wrote recently that uh, the watchdog uh, group, the Department of Health and Human Services Inspector General, is uncovering that nearly – Three-fourths, 75% of the grantees, these people that are approving these, medis, uh, these uh, pharmaceuticals and medical devices who are getting grants and royalties, uh, don't report their ties to foreign entities and countries. Now, Yeah, it's, is- it's a big, big problem. And, that, and, and actually, and I have to confess, the um, Inspector General report that I reported actually came out at the beginning of June. I missed it. And everybody else did, but I just happened to stumble on it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to report this. Basically, what they found was all these people at NIH um, who are making decisions about who gets grants, the people who are getting the grants all have researchers on their payrolls, and if those researchers have contacts or links, financial interest or otherwise, uh, with foreign governments or foreign interest, then they are absolutely required to report them, and the grant receivers are also required to report them to NIH, and NIH is supposed to take those facts into consideration. But if you don't know that, you know, Joe Blow, researcher working for the guy you just gave a $10 million grant for, uh, is working, in fact, for the Chinese Communist Party. You just handed $10 million to the Chinese Communist Party. And they found one particular example like that. So uh, here again, you know, if uh, you don't keep an eye on the, the hen house, you don't know when the when the uh, wolves come in. Well, didn't they try to use this uh, very same thing against uh, Trump and multiple people in his administration, I believe even his own son. Wait, 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 you didn't report your foreign interest. Uh, General Flynn comes to mind. Um, uh, yet, but, however, Hunter Biden gets a, gets a pass. Hmm, we don't see a problem here, do and we, Mark? That's, that's different, Anne. That's oh. them. <laughs> You've got to oh, remember, it? it's okay for them. It's only not okay for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Trump allegedly had his hookers, but you know, Hunter Biden had not only his hookers, he had his crack pipe, too. But no, no, that, that's all right. It, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see yeah, here. Yeah, even though, he, even though, there's nothing to see here, even though he made lots of videos of it. Trump never <laughs> did that. Maybe because Trump never did that. Yeah, we didn't even need a foreign dossier, to, uh, a phony dar- dossier to find that one out. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Mark, as usual, it is always a blast to uh, have you with us. People can find your great work over at the Epoch Times, the E-P-O-C-A, or as I say, Epic Times, electronically and hard copy. I love the feel of the newspaper in my hand. Uh, So, yeah, and I always encourage everyone, because I was catching that article recently about these contagious vaccines that the NIH came out, and I was asking a previous guest about that, Rick Mehta, um, about that, because he's he's from the pharmaceutical field as well as an attorney. Uh, this is this is some scary stuff coming out there. But the, the Epic Times does great reporting on that. And God bless all of you guys over there for the hard work that you all do and get the information out. And you be careful on your Bible study with Hill Faith. So watch your back out there, Mark, because we got it too. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me, and uh, I'll see you next time. Okay, God bless. Take care, Mark. See you in two weeks. All right, check out the Epic Times. I'm telling you, great, great articles, and I use a lot from there. But that's all we got here for now, Curtis. And I don't know who we got lined up for next week just yet. <laughs> I haven't looked at the me schedule. <laughs> it's been a crazy, Maybe crazy we'll hectic week. More. Maybe we'll have some more Supreme Court. Um, yeah, we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. week. Oh, yeah. So I'll... Leave everyone with the song from my friend Gary Pecorella, Save America. So until then, I say good night and God bless. We'll see you here, same bat time, same bat station. Until then. Oh, if we can hit the right key. I'm free for this land I America, America, the home of the free. But there are people making plans to change America. They've no respect for her or what matters most to you. That's why I stand for the flag and I kneel at the cross. For the brains I have loved and lost And ask me to be here Because he trusts He will pay the life of father's plans I hope it's not too late To save America